Welcome back to the Attack Podcast. As always, I'm your host, a frightened horse, Jay. Joining as always is my co-host, a very hungry man, Z. How are you doing today, Z? I'm doing all right. That's good. That's good. Always good to hear. Is the, is the, wait, is the horse frightened because he's going to eat him? Yeah, because you're so hungry. Is that hungry all there is to it? That's all? Oh, okay. It's the old how hungry. All right. I was thinking of like, okay, no, that's good. Like you're driving with a horse and you're just... It's a little more simple. Thinking out loud and you go, oh, so hungry. And the horse turns and he goes, how hungry. I thought you meant like, I don't know what you thought. I don't know what you meant. Like, I'm like war horse or something? We're at like a, yeah, we're in siege. The Civil war or whatever. You know. That could work. I mean, the worst we're at Valley Forge during the revolution. We're eating our horses because Congress won't get us any food. And the, the dogs with the boots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're boiling our boot leathers because we're at because our castle is being besieged and they, you know, no one's ridden to lift it. Okay, but no, you just meant it was a little more sim- simpler than that. The funny, the funny. It wasn't like ah, we're in the trenches. It's World War One. No, it's uh, okay. funny. So I could eat a horse. I get it. Cool. <clears throat> all right, Jack. Last week, bear season one. You watched all the bear, didn't you? All the bear. The entirety of the bear. And now here we are, season two of The Bear. What a fucking show this is, man. Great show. What a show. So last week I said, and I wasn't sure, and now I've confirmed and I am sure. Uh, this is one of the Hulu original FX on Hulu, whatever nonsense, nonsense they got going on, right? Yeah. Um, so this came out in June. So again, we're a little bit, but that's all right. Who's that's counting? Right. Who's, who's counting the weeks even? Who does that? Not me. Big nerds count weeks. Time, what, are we, what are we, tracking time? We do a calendar doctor? <laughs> Unlikely. But anyways, um, they did the th- they did the thing with this one, which they did with the first season, which perhaps is fair. It was an unknown quantity, right? Mm-hmm. But now with the second season, they also released this all at once. And I and again, I double checked, and because I mentioned last week, I was like, we watched Under the Banner of Heaven, and that was similar. And I couldn't remember if that was or not, but it was. That was an, a Hulu original FX show that released weekly. Mm-hmm. I don't know why this show didn't get the same treatment because this show. It is incredible, and people yeah. should still be talking about it. I and mean, we should have got the week-to-week kind of treatment for this. Not just all at once. Don't I just on don't you. get it. They seem like they make random decisions based on these things. Just I mean, we still wouldn't even be done, decisions. right? So, Oh, yeah. We'd be what? Like six or so through maybe? Seven? Like we maybe... Would we have just gotten fishes or something? Or maybe Probably. folks? Regardless, it wouldn't be done yet. No. These would have been trickling out, you know? We'd have, so we'd, have, more time. we'd have just had the Jamie Lee Curtis appearance that have been crazy that have blown our minds. John Mulaney, Jamie Lee Curtis, John Mulaney, Bob Odenkirk, Bob Odenkirk. What's her name? They're all there. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, John Mulaney's wife, girlfriend, girlfriend? character. Yeah, huh. spouse of some kind, partner. So, anyways, well, let's let's run them, run them down here, right? So, obviously, the whole premise of this season is that they have to they're they're making the bear, right? They're renovating the the beef land of Chicago, or whatever. Into beef of Chicago land. Oh, is that, yeah. Into the, the fine dining restaurant, The Bear, right? Which is going to be like an actual... And, and their whole goal they talk about is they want a, they want a Michelin star. They want, you know, the whole Can't the whole shebang, it. right? Or the absolute pinnacle of what they can achieve. Which, cool, right? And mm-hmm. that's, that's what we're building to all season long. They're basically... They decide in the first episode. They, they kind of break down their whole plan here. How much... What, you know, roughly they're going to spend money on and what they need and... and Turns out they're going to need even more investment from their uncle. Their uncle there, and um, they realize that it, in order to, because Carmi comes up out of the blue with this whole business plan of we're going to be so good, we're going to make all our, we're going to pay it all back to you within eighteen months. And, and to facilitate that, they basically realize they need to be very quick in getting it open. They they need to be open within six months. They said, said three eight, months. Nine, three months. Well, oh. they they break it all the way down to three months because they're like actually. 
we need to be making money oh, right. as soon as possible. Um, so yeah, first episode's good. The the whole that's, that's again when, the that's when they really break down the plan. logistics of it all. That's cool. Mm. Everybody gets kind of sent out to do their various tasks. Yeah. So season or episode two, uh, we have um, Tina and what's his name. They get sent to oh, culinary Ibrahim. school. Yeah, they get to sent to culinary school to like really get the polish the, up their skills, polish up their chops. Uh, season, episode three here, Sydney is traveling around. She's going to a bunch of different like restaurants all over the place to try to get some inspiration for their menu, which was a very fun episode. And get advice, kind of. She's eating, oh yeah, that's true. Because she's meeting up with like people she knows and people that know Carmi and all them, all the different chefs and all that chef types and they're giving her advice as to how to work a business all and and how to make the food and stuff she eats a hell of a lot of food <laughs> so much food uh episode four is marcus goes to copenhagen and he meets with i guess he, this is one of our first cameos right yeah will porter will porter who is uh one of carmy's old co-workers i guess and now he's working in copenhagen at a dessert kind of place yeah it's like a a pastry, so, yeah, pastry chef, some kind. It's a Marcus there because obviously he's their dessert pastry chef guy. What is what's the next one? Uh, after that, the episode. Yeah, I just don't remember what to do. So it was called Pop. Uh, Carmi's thing this whole season as well that he gets this br- romance subplot. Um, this girl from his childhood that he was in love with. Yeah, this girl that basically he had a crush on through all of high school, and as it comes to turn out, they basically had crushes on each other, and they never really talked about it. And uh, in some ways, this is, like, very much a good thing for Carmi, obviously, that he could, like, you know, some meaningful relationship outside of work and all that. And But also, it's kind of, at the same time, right, like, the worst time possible, but maybe the best time, because he kind of needs it. Kind of med- yeah, middles him out, gives him more. But again, uh, also, it's like, he's very busy at the moment. It's it's So it's a tough situation for him. Um, and their, their relationship kind of develops across the whole season. What is it? so? What is it? Uh, number six is just the renovation. Five, excuse me. Uh, pop. The renovation gets off track. Is all I've got because they're very one sentence quick. Oh, because it's yes. They're still working on the fire suppression thing. Oh, yeah. Is that that's the one where he smacks the ceiling or they break a window. I don't remember what they're doing. They do something. They they have to like do a lot more renovations than they plan because like because that's, that's the one it. where he brings her back to the restaurant, but they're all going crazy in there. Yeah. So and they all like are harassing about it, giving him guff. Um, and then it's fishes and fishes. This is one of the craziest one. This longest one by far. It's an all hour long. Uh, it's all one dinner. That sounds crazy. It's it's Christmas dinner. Like what is it? I guess it's about like five years prior f- to the bear to the this you know the modern timeline here. So it's when Carmi was still in school. I guess going going to culinary school. Right? Yeah, I think so. For maybe he was already working overseas. It's whatever. Mm. Irrelevant. Obviously, John Bernthal's still there. It's Mike because it was when he was still alive. Um, and there's a bunch of cameos in this one. It's, it's filling out the members of their family, right? So their mom, Donna, is Jimmy Lee Curtis. Jimmy Curtis. Uh, Bob Odenkirk is their uncle. Her, no, I think it's her boyfriend. Oh, is it? I think so. Because no one, no one calls him uncle or anything. Yeah, no one, no one refers to him as anything other than his name. And they don't get along very well. So. That's true. Yeah. Because, yeah, there's the whole, like, my dad comment. I'm pretty mm. sure that's what it... I'm pretty sure, at least. Okay, that makes sense, um, man. Sarah Paulson is their cousin, and... John Mulaney's her, pro- her boyfriend. Her John Mulaney's great in this. I think he's gay. That's very funny. Which is, like, an actual bit he's had, right? Yeah. 
That's right, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That, that he's that everyone thought he was gay for a while. Yeah. Jamalini is pretty good. Listen, I don't love him as much as like, you know, like a teenage white girl does because no one can love John Mulaney with as well, much passion. Well, not anymore. As, well, yeah, they've all... Pre-2020, John Mulaney. Yeah, pre-John Mulaney. Pre-2020, John Mulaney, you're right. 2019, John Mulaney, unstoppable in the female in that teenager demo, right? demo demographic. That demo? And we would know. We would know. Because we were among them. We were amongst them at that time. See, I guess that's the thing. Because I don't hang around teenagers. As it turns out, I don't hang around teenage <laughs> girls as much not, as I sense. So I don't know how really. it is. But his stock has fallen from what I can understand i remember one time someone tried to do a john mulaney bit to me and i was like that's a john mulaney bit you're doing that's jake that was like 45 50 percent of my high school experience was just people trying to do john mulaney bits at me well it's fine kind of it was just doing it to a group and everyone was laughing and i was like i think that's a bit from john mulaney <laughs> but i didn't even do it on purpose because i was like that sounds so familiar to me and she was like yeah it is and i was like oh which one was it it was the uh, thinking of the horse babysitter no it one. wasn't the horse in the hospital no no, no the babysitter one oh when he's like and this is my dog, and you're a horse, and he's petting it. Okay. So it wasn't quite the. You can't. I mean, you can't do horse in a hospital and not be called out. But she did it. In, she like she tweaked it in such a way where I think if I hadn't been such a fucking nerd about it, then she I, might have got away she, with it if it wasn't for you meddling kids. kids. Yeah, I get it. Because you know I ruin everything. Man, but <laughs> it really was a fourth. So there's all those memes this time where people were. Like for years, people were like, the, "These, this is a list of the only straight men I trust." And of course, John Mulaney's on there, and then they're like, hey, "You're not to take him off their weird, cringy list." And then he divorced his wife and went to rehab and got a girlfriend and had a kid. And they're like, "Whoa, a lot of change at once." I gotta watch his new, um, new special, Prince Baby J. I, gotta I don't watch know it what too. It's, isn't it called? I think it's called that. Yeah, Brindley's very explicit about his, his addiction and divorce and everything. Anyways, he's not really the star though. But he again, he is great. I love his interactions with Fac and Fac's brother. Brother? No, yeah, the Facts. Yeah, the Facts. Because they have a sister they don't like, and she's not allowed to. <laughs> Very be good anyway. recurring bit. Such I a- loved it that towards the end when they're like, when he's like, "Hey, could my sister come to friends?" And she's like, "What's her name? Pauline? Maybe?" No, I think it's like Francine. Francine. Fra- it's Francine. Like, Fac. Francine. Fac. He's like, yeah. She's like, no, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> you kidding me? Because of the thing. Yeah, because of the thing. <laughs> I want to know what the thing is. Yet we never know. It's it, like, it probably will be like a season three kind of thing. That'd be very. You gotta pay off for it. Um, but yeah, he's got the, the whole bit with the cards. They're trying to get everyone to join this, some, some kind of <laughs> baseball. They're like baseball cards are back. Yeah. So if you give us five hundred dollars, we can we can turn it into fifteen hundred dollars. We'll buy them off eBay. They might have these cards. Which is insane. I mean, it's lunacy, right? Yeah. They try to get John Mulaney's character on it, and he just kind of laughs at me because I love love talking to you guys. You guys are great. It's, he's very funny though, because he's like, you know what? I'll give you the money, but every week you have to call me and give me updates. <laughs> yeah, he just he kind of treats him as like a like just yeah. a bunch of clowns. Because clear to him, the five hundred dollars is worth yeah being entertained on a weekly basis by these guys trying to frantically explain why they don't have fifteen hundred dollars for him. Yeah, <laughs> which is bad. only a thousand dollars profit, which is nothing. Good. Oh yeah, you say that's nothing. I mean, it's they're it's, talking about a. A two hundred percent return, in two well, months. You yeah. you couldn't beat that anywhere, Jack. The stock market, with the S and P five hundred's doing that. Of course not. You're a fool. Oh. Jack, if you could tell me a stock that would go up by two hundred percent, you'd be the richest man on the planet. Are you kidding me? Come on, that's why it doesn't happen. It's never happened. Uh, <laughs> Baseball yeah. cards are not the way. No, it's all right though. Good on them. Um, and then their mom, Pete, their mom's goodness, is cooking in. Oh yeah, Pete. Pete's, well, Pete's just himself. He's just he's he's such a good and it's, so we see in the finale in particular we'll, we'll get to. But Pete's he's just good. You said last week you were like it's funny how they all hate him and everything. And that is very funny. 
Cause never gets Because he's a whatever. And I was like, is he really, though, or is he just a guy? And you're like, well, no, he's just, he's just a he's man. He's just a normal man. But because, well, because it's through their lens, I'm like, fuck yeah, Carmen, get his ass. He's such a goober. Get him, Richie. He sucks. Give him Xanax. He brings tuna, he brings tuna casserole, even though he shouldn't have. And it's funny how everyone in sequence is, like, mad at him. Mike's like, fool. what are you doing? You're an idiot. This is the stupidest thing you've ever done. And then Carmen walks in, and he's like, are you? This would make eight fishes, and what that would make his fucking assholes, wouldn't it? Yeah, you only got <laughs> fucking assholes there. Pete. John Mulaney's like, you're gonna be mad at him, but it's he's got a good, it, you know, came from a good place. <laughs> and then it's, and then even his wife rolls in, and she's like, "Oh, it's so good to see." You. She's like, "What is this? <laughs> oh, what, what are were you done? thinking? How could you have done this?" Um, the whole time. So yeah, Donna, Donna is making the seven fish everything a million foods it would seem and she's just an uncomfortable num- amount of food more right? food than she can keep track of because uh, she can't literally yeah, yeah. she can't, can't and she doesn't she got like four but timers she somehow does i mean she she gets it all out here's my thing right well carmy also helps her well yeah carmy's doing his best do you think it was all even warm i couldn't help but th- i'm like it's just does this and maybe that's intentional right maybe mm-hmm. we're all we're supposed to kind of know like maybe it's not actually that good um because it's just seems like too much food to juggle in like a normal sized kitchen. Yeah. Also, maybe too much food for that number of people. Yeah, she was cooking like not only the seven fish because at first when they said like seven fishes, I thought like it was really just seven fish. They're like, oh, they just eat seven fish as part of the meal. And she cooked like seven fish. Yeah, like just seven large fish. But not fish. seven different fishes. I was just just lobster. Doing lobster, lobster on top of lobster counts. Well, lobster is a crustacean. It feels a little bit iffy. I feel like you could just buy like a tuna or something. In the finale, when they have their seven fish course at the restaurant, there's, there's even like clam fish in there. Yeah. There's like prawns and like oysters or clams or something. So, I feel like you just get a nice trout. Just seven trouts. Seven trouts. Just seven nice bat. Maybe a bass. Sure, seven largemouth bass, smallmouth bass, bass. There's plenty of bass. Oh, I'm not a big fisherman. Don't really eat much seafood to speak of. So, no. But yeah, um, his their their mom is very clearly like alcoholic. Well, she's definitely an alcoholic. I was gonna say I think she's probably like has like probably borderline personality disorder and mm. also an alcoholic, and it's just a horrible combination. Or maybe a little dementia. I was when I was watching, I was like, does she have dementia or something? Like a little like, but she, I, don't I think know. she was just drunk. Yeah, she, she, I I drunk mean, she's drinking very heavily all day long. So that wine and the vodka the plot. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just because of how drunk she is. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of. I don't know. Do, do you remember? Like, is there much in, uh, mention given to this in season one? I feel like the, all the trauma that they kind of are relating to back in season one is mostly around her, their brother her suicide, brother, right? Yeah. yeah. But this kind of uh, th- this is one of the central thrusts of this season, and it's kind of like this is why they're all fucked up. Yeah, it's probably because of their home life. You know, their dad died when they were all small, quite young, and their mom took care of them. Yeah, their mom was kind of unwell, and um. I saw a really interesting thing. I was reading all kind of different stuff about this uh, after I watched this one because I was just like, man, this is great. I want to see some, you know, takes on this and stuff. And I saw people genuinely on like, you know, literal forums where they're dealing with. um, Bipolar disorder. Yeah, like living with people with uh, borderline personality disorder and stuff. And how like some people are like found it to be like really cathartic, right? Mm -hmm. To like kind of see this, you know, in that way that like representation can be, right? Like to see this play out in. uh, A natural way. Yeah, on television an experience that is like very familiar to people is like, Oh, this is very like affirming. And like, you know, this is the type of thing where like you can just show people like, yeah, this is what in a lot of ways my own childhood was like. And that's why this and that. Right. Mm-hmm. But then there's also a lot of people who are like, I can't even watch, watch this it. show because it is too real. 
to triggering. Literally. I think it's really interesting. Triggering like the real way too, not like the weird. Yeah, fake I found way. this. I honestly found this like a little triggering at times. It's hard. It's it's a rough watch. I I think it's a rough watch for like almost anyone. Oh, for sure. Whether you find it to be particularly personal or not, um, but yeah. And I saw someone break down a really interesting that like the three children represent um, three different kind of responses uh, to like like because they say, you know it's like fight or flight right but they say yeah. that it's really like fight flight or freeze oh okay yeah it's like an actual like real one um, because sometimes you can't move and that's the three of them right mm. so obviously Mike is fight he's throwing forks to people oh, yeah he's good uh, Natalie just kind of shuts down and. Carmen she runs away to <laughs> will lend to a different country. Yeah, literally flee as far away as he physically can. Um, I like the setup in the beginning here, and they're like, "Don't ask if she's okay." Don't ask if she's okay. And I don't know about you, but I totally forgot. And so by the time this rolls around, and the mom's freaking out, and she's like, "Are you okay, mom?" And then it just, and everyone's like, "Oh no!" <laughs> and I was like, "Wait, what?" And it's like, "Oh no!" <gasps> she said, oh, "Are you okay?" I was waiting for her to say it. I was like, "Cause it's such a, it really is an innocent, question. normal kind of thing to do." But she's asking a lot. I mean, like, either, I'd be like, all right, you just got to stop. Or just listen. She's like, don't do it. Yeah, but again, I mean, it's just, it's, it's it hard. is such an innocuous, it isn't, she doesn't mean anything by it. Yeah. She's not trying to start a fight. She's literally just, it's a no, very normal response to, you know, a person, which is why it's so insane. Uh, we also have the, like, Richie stuff in this one with his, um, his wife. This is, this is like the callback to, or not callback, the setup to, um. The, f- the conflict he and Uncle Jay have um, in the first season. Yeah. Because they're like, you didn't call me. Like, why not? And then this is, we see this is how he got, this is how they got there. Because it's him asking for a job being like, hey, you're con- you're like kind of corrupt and connected in this, in Chicago. Help me out. It's uh, hard to even tell sometimes how much they intend that to be or not. Like, when he says that, does Richie, I think Richie just wants an actual job. Job. But I don't even know what that looks like. Like, what kind of what kind of jobs does he have to actually hand out? Maybe uh, maybe he like said he knows people yeah, know, who has who who need help. Can you get um, his name? Like put his name in. It's like a good word. But that's it's kind of sad, isn't it? Yeah, because she's pregnant with their daughter and all, and then obviously by the time we get to them, they're divorced. They're divorced, and that's upsetting. We get to see her finally. She, yeah, yeah, she didn't appear. Oh, is it is it Gillian Jacobs? That's yes. who it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another community alumni. Uh, I didn't look up before we started, but I think. Somebody's who worked on community's got to work on this show in some capacity. Yeah, because Joe McHale's in the first season and a little bit in this season as Carmi's old boss, head chef, and Gillian Jacobs, obviously. And this is in this one, they say Streets Ahead at one point, which I don't know community fans know is just a thing from that show and probably nothing else. So, uh, what else? I just, it's really interesting the way everyone like reacts to the mom, right? Oh, yeah. Everyone, kind of, she's such a known quantity here, and um, it's yeah, it's very interesting to me to see the way everyone else, like everyone knows, right? Like, there's a part where Stevie's like, he's like, hey, you know, I think we'll go on a hand. And they're all like, don't Stevie, no, don't do that, don't do that. And she's like, he's like, no, come on, she could use a hand, right? I'm gonna, go. and they're all like, Stevie, please don't. And he's like, no, I'm gonna do it anyways. And he does, and then he walks in there, and she like screams, absolutely loses it on him, and he's like, mm, all right, <laughs> nah, my bad. No, it's like I, I, I learned firsthand. <laughs> Gotta learn yourself. Like when she sits down, and then she's she's of course freaking out because again, probably combination of things. She's stressed. She's pretty drunk at that point, and she's all whatever. So she's like barely composed while he's doing his thing, and they're all like, "Oh, you did good. Come on, don't worry about it." And just the way that everyone there is basically trying to placate her, mm-hmm. so she doesn't lose her mind. And then of course she inevitably does, because again, someone has the gall to ask her uh, 
if she's okay. <laughs> yeah. And then they're just like, well, at least that's over with. We knew that was coming. It's like, you knew? Yeah. We well, all knew? And they, they do say it was, it's been, it was the worst because she really goes after a couple of them. And, when she's doing this thing all episode long, right, where she doesn't, she's like refusing help pretty much at every turn and like none of you know how to do it right. And then it'll just back and forth between that and like, why does no one help me? Mm-hmm. And it seems like, God, I mean, it's like so much of this seems imposed because they all say like, you don't really need to do this much. Why are you doing all this? And yeah. then she'll be like, oh, they're all ungrateful. Why are they making me do it all? And it's like, they didn't ask it's all these conflicting things. I'm just yeah. like, you're just, you're just kind of a crazy person at times here, it seems. Yeah, kind of unhinged. Yeah, the again the Michael uh, breakdown's pretty crazy. He starts throwing forks at people, and they're like, "Please not from that fork." It's not cool. And then uh, couldn't believe when that paid off because he throws the two forks, and then Lee's like, "If you throw another fork at me, we're gonna have to have a, a literal fight here. We're gonna we're gonna have, to have some words." And he's really laying into him, right? He calls him a loser. He's not a loser, and you don't you're not good at anything and all that, which is like pretty crazy. And then Stevie gets this very nice, like Grace thing which is pretty good right? yeah he gives a big nice speech and really nice one and the mom likes it he's kind of just like searching for it the whole time which is good that he's chasing <laughs> chasing the thread and it, he does good though and he's like listen you guys, i don't really have a family like this i appreciate you guys let me in and all this and, and it I seems think- genuinely nice and it seems like everyone's like actually like all right cool i like how even during that though he's like he's still got the fork <laughs> he's still got the fork still holding <laughs> they're it. like yeah he's like oh god all right <laughs> he just keeps going and then he's like please please don't have him throw the fork <laughs> But then, of course, after the, the mom freaks out, he throws a fork and it's, it's help pandemonium. Her. And then she drives her car through the front door. The, her car through the front of the house, which is just... Like, I'm just staring at... Beyond the pale. Yeah. Um, cannolis. That's how it, like, ends, I think? Is he staring yeah, at, the staring at the cannolis? He'd been at her both just, like, dumbstruck at that point. They just kind of both coolly break down. It's... And there's, oh, and we also see some stuff with Michael in this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is he... Does he do any per- drugs or does he like get near? He almost does it. I don't know. I'm trying to think. He has like a just in a. Oh, because he's like, why don't. Because as we learned from the first season, right? Mm-hmm. Carmi's whole thing is he wants to be included and he would love to just do this with his brother. Yeah, work at the beef. But Michael's thing is that he basically thinks he doesn't want that for his brother. Mm-hmm. He wants better. Like he doesn't want him to, be stuck him to do that so he's not stuck there like the rest of them kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And. um... Like, he has this moment where he's like, look, we could have done all this, and, and I could, I want to come with you. And he's like, as he leaves, like, he's breaking down, basically. And again, like, it's you don't want to put it all on, like, one person like that kind of thing. But it seems like there's a possibility that a lot of the problems that he had, you know, are mm. to go back to their family situation and all that. Yeah, for sure. And, like, oh, the part where she's like, maybe I'll just go get dad's gun and kill myself. That's pretty crazy. That's not cool. No. You know, because that's not, like, a casual, like, oh, geez, I want to. Jump off a bridge, kind of thing. It's very specific. It's a very specific threat. Of a like, very I'm gonna weapon. go upstairs, get that gun that I have ready access to, and then use it to kill myself with, as I very easily could. And he definitely, I mean, that's probably the gun. I mean, it's meant to be the gun that he uses later. I mean, I think this is probably the beginning of the end for him. I think, like, kind of the start of his downward trend. Yeah, it could be. Because then, like, because this, because this one is fan, like, it seems like he really. When he, when he argues with Lee and Lee just kind of lays into him, call him a loser, and he's a leech and doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Like, he really affects him. And, like, all his talks, he's like, um, he's, yeah, there's definitely, like, a sadness in him. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it sucks. I'm really in a bad spot. Uh, so, yeah, I think, obviously, he's still a couple of years out from his suicide. but And then the cannoli thing is kind of, like, turns out to be a really important sort of thing, um, which he explicitly talks about later. But I think even in this episode, you're like, 
I feel like that the lingering like look at the cannolis and again like the kind of complete dispassion. I think it's supposed to be like representative of Carmen's relationship with cooking, like cooking in general, like mm-hmm. food. Is that like does he even really like it at all? Yeah, does he actually find it fun or enjoyable or fulfilling? And again, as he says later on, it's like the cannolis in particular became representative in his mind of this, basically. The chaos and like how upsetting and crazy Christmas was to the point where he doesn't really like cannolis. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, maybe that's just really on some level cooking in general, which they talk about even in like the first season, right? Like, does he actually like it? Or just do it because he he thinks he should. And like this seems to suggest that he like the reason that he needs these high stress that this is where he thrives this is the only thing he likes to do on any level mm. and even then he's like he says it in the beginning of the season that like he doesn't think it's fun but he also loves it at the same time even though that's kind of like a contradiction right yeah this is the thing he likes doesn't get it's it. the only thing he likes to do but he also doesn't like it gets at all. no enjoyment and it i mean the first season when he's waking up cooking frozen shit and then his stove and all set his apartment on fire and things about like the whole building burning down, so he can't, so he can be rid of it and free, like literally freeing himself, purifying by fire. Yeah, like that's kind of shows. And, and there again, there's like good stuff. See, who is this person? That's just their grandma or something. I feel like she never shows up again. Though. Yeah, she doesn't. There's also a woman who's right at the beginning who's talking to Bob Odenkirk's character who doesn't appear again. Weird. Um, but yeah, it's it's and and again, like part of the good thing is that like in the sort of tragedy this whole season is that his relationship with claire repairs a lot of this stuff for him emotionally Mm. but as it kind of turns out it really might not be for the the best of him the restaurant business because there is perhaps something like this intrinsic tie between how he performs and then how yeah like his trauma almost right Mm. they go hand in hand they're amplified which is that, like, this is why he succeeds at it is because he's kind of unwell. And, like, if he fixed that, maybe he wouldn't have... The edge to do it. Yeah, exactly. Which also, is really interesting. He, also, he, he can't... He doesn't do the things he's supposed to. He never calls the fridge guy. He doesn't... He's not around to, like, sign off on things. So, like, there's a point mm-hmm. right before the restaurant opens where he gets mad that, like, the, sh- the shelf is on the left side when they're all right-handed. So he's like, why would it be here? And he's like, well, because the contractor was left-handed and you weren't here to tell him not to do it that way. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a few things, because there's the art thing. Yeah, he hates the art. He's like, she's like, I asked you, and he's like, and you never said anything. And he's like, well, so you just hung it up? And she's like, well, I literally texted you. I said, if this is all right, don't say anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he didn't, and so she just thought it was fine. Yeah. And it's just stuff like this. And, you know, we see during the season him actively, like, blowing off things to go hang out with her. And again, overall, that seems to have been a positive, positive thing for, for him. him. And, like, we see this scene where he cooks for her. For the first time, which again, like as a this this world class chef that he is, he just doesn't do. Yeah, because of his and so like that's he's repairing that again. Like you said in the first season, he's cooking himself like frozen dinners at home because he just doesn't care. He doesn't want to like go through all that effort. And so this is again, it's like he him associating like positive stuff with this and and all that. It's really I don't I mean the character writing in the show is very good, incredible, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's the thing. It was like I said this last week, but it's again it, like you. I would never expect this to be a show I would love so much because I don't really care about cooking like that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh but you know, here it is. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's to me, it's like it's really one of the better shows we've ever watched on here. It's up there with like some of the ones we've you know raved about before, like House of the Dragon, House of the Dragon, Last of Us, Andor kind of thing. Except those are all very much genre 
nerdy kind of shit we would be into, and this is mm. just a show about a restaurant. Oh, yeah. Catch you by surprise. Forks, I really love. So this that was is, a really good episode. I really so this is one R- too. Richie's assignment here, which is that he gets sent somewhere to um, stodge, whatever that is. So he's like not really cooking. He's like doing the other stuff. But they also he also gets learns how to do like front of house and stuff, all mm-hmm. kind of things, whatever. Um, but him, you know, learning more like the logistical side of of this, and he's working at this restaurant, which is like they say is like the best restaurant in the whole world, kind of thing. Um, and like he he has like a. Obviously, he learns all the technical aspects, right? Yeah. That starts to fall in the place for him of like, oh, this is why we do this, and this is how you learn stuff. Um, but he also has, obviously, like a kind of whatever you call it, like a... Epiphany? Yeah, like an emotional kind of like spiritual epiphany as to like, oh, this is why we do this. Because he asks a lot of them, like, what, what do you, why do you guys all do this? Like, all these people at the restaurant, he's like, how do you deal with this and the stress of it all, right? And they all basically give him a similar answer, which is like, because other people, the people who come, really enjoy that. Yeah. It's very important to them, and they like it a lot, and so that kind of... Fuels them. And he's like, huh, and he gets it, and I think that's really cool. He has a conversation with the head head chef lady who oh, runs yeah. this restaurant, which is cool. I thought it was a co- neat convo, because it just kind of like happens, naturally. Mm-hmm. And it seems like he knew who she was, but we as the audience don't really first, know her, right? yeah. Because he's just like, man, where's the damn polish or whatever? And then he's like, yeah, what are you, what are you doing here? And they just they strike up a nice convo, and she's like, at the end of it, when she's like, you know, Karma really believes in you or whatever, he's like... As if. Because he's all mad because he's like, he's thinking for most of the episode that Carmi sent him there just to get him out of his hair for a week. Yeah, get him just to get rid of him and maybe he'll, maybe he'll learn a thing and then come back and be moderately useful to him. Mm-hmm. But now he, he actually, he gets it, man. They have that whole thing where she's like talking about her dad and how they didn't have a good relationship, but then she found all these diaries he kept and all these things he wrote down and she like walks away like mid thought, like she gets interrupted and he's like, Wait, what did you what was the thing you always signed off with? What was it? And of course it was every second counts. Yeah. Which is cool. It's a good philosophy for like their cooking thing, obviously. The, you know, the restaurant is like, well, we gotta it's all about speed is of the essence here, but also for life. In life man. Yeah. And it's the progression throughout the days, because it's over the course of a week, every time every throughout the day, Richie wakes up earlier and earlier. Because in the beginning he wakes up like ten minutes after his alarm and he's like dragging himself. But as he gets more into it, he becomes more dedicated, and he gets up, and the la- finally he gets up before his alarm even goes off, and he like, and a spur cleans up his whole apartment really fast and puts everything in order, and it's like, all right, like now that his life is life is kind of together, like he has focus and purpose, because that's the other thing. At the beginning of the season, he talks to Carmen about purpose, because he's a forty four year old divorced dad with who works at like a restaurant, who worked at previously like a failing restaurant, yeah. so he's like, Adam, what am I? Like, I don't really have, what am I supposed to do with my life? So this kind of gives him a renewed sense of purpose, which is always good. And again, his whole thing, because they have, is it this episode? Or not, maybe it's the next one, but his wife calls him, or his ex-wife calls him, and she tells him that she's getting married again. And it's tough because his, their whole, you know, the reason their relationship broke down is because he was, you know, trying so hard to help. His friend. Mikey there and all that. And then, the, you know, the shame about it, obviously, right? The, like, tragic irony of it all is that now... The restaurant is poised to like actually probably be successful and mm-hmm. run gave, well. Gave him, made him get his life together. And you know, if it turns out to be successful, and it's gonna, you know, if it's successful as this fine dining restaurant, it obviously is poised to bring in more money than it mm-hmm. would have. And like this could be, it, you know, a better career for him and all all these different things. And but you know, now it's too late, kind of thing, mm-hmm. which is a shame of it. Yeah, it, he kind of had to get divorced to get to a point where he would have been better like a better husband so it's the weird yeah, yeah. weird thing of it that's the thing of it. 
because sometimes you kind of need that like drastic change and like forced upon you. Mm. But uh, yeah, I really like that. And I like again, I liked how everyone is explains to him like it's because like people really care, and so it's nice. And like every you know the the is she the executive chef maybe I don't know whoever's running the she's running the stations thing and mm-hmm. she says the same thing. He's like, how do you do it? And she's like, well, because every night we make someone's day, and like uh the other guy when he like takes him out and he's like you really drinking the Kool-Aid like he's like yeah I do <laughs> he's like people you realize how long people wait to come here and like how, how much they enjoy it you see their faces when they come in here and I don't know I do think that's cool and maybe it's a you know overly romantic view of a, a restaurant restaurant but that's that's, that's alright well, you would hope they care at least yeah so I like that quite a bit and he's like listen you don't gotta drink the Kool-Aid but you gotta respect us at least you respect us and respect the staff and respect the dining he's like you know what I can do respect that's cool because he's kind of you know a bit old fashioned like that, and yeah, he comes around. Oh, I like this too, though. So, the there's this through line through the whole season for um, Sydney's character, Sydney, which is that her dad gives her uh, <laughs> Coach K's autobiography, yeah, and she's just reading it all season long. And like, this is her guy, they're her inspiration the whole season. That's kind of fun because her, her kind of arc is that her dad is still kind of like, you know what, like, this doesn't have to be the thing, yeah, uh, you don't have to like stake your whole life on this, so it's all right if you want to do something else or whatever. Kind of, kind of thing, and eventually, obviously, in the finale, he comes all the way around. And is like, you know what? This can be your thing. This should be. Yeah, this that clearly is, which is super cool for for her. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um. Then we get the, the passed, fire test. They passed the test. Um, which is cool because it pretty grim. It turns out that the reason they've been failing this whole time is because my kid sabotaged it when he tried to burn the place down intentionally, which is pretty crazy. Um, oh yeah. This is one like you know the the newly invigorated Richie is like meeting up with everyone. It was like he he apologized to Nat for, for being kind of an ass and they figured out. He he wears suits now. He, oh, I love that. I did like the scene where um they're hiring, like they're interviewing people. Yeah. And he like, she's like, and it's like, oh, this person looks great. And he's like, really? Because I set up this napkin. She didn't even notice it the whole time we were there. Like she didn't notice it was wonky. So she'll she's a fool and she'll never work here. She doesn't care about the details. Yeah. And she's like impressed because she didn't think of that. But he's like so 180 from who he used to be that, in a good way. Oh, is it just the FX thing? Oh, it's in the bed. Um, so then, yeah, the last couple are just a lead up to like the first service with friends and family. The very fat, the very last preparations and everything. Like I said, they passed the fire test. Jimmy gives him a whole pep talk about. Gives him a whole monologue about that guy who uh, caught the foul ball or caught the. Try to get the home run and became like a pariah. <laughs> yeah, very fun. I like very like kind of intentionally and unintentionally funny bit there where he's like gives this whole monologue explaining how like it wasn't the last guy who did it. it was it the wasn't first. the guy who no it wasn't the first guy. It was like how the, you know the, the basically the wrong guy gets the blame. Yeah, right. And Carmi complete it goes right over Carmi's and so he's like oh so we don't want to be that guy. He's like no you don't want to be the other guy. That the, was the whole the point first of my guy because there is no other guy to like take the fall. It's just you. So that's pretty good. And like the the whole scene, other than that, it shows like when he's in the conversation, Carmi's very distracted because he's it, the camera pans on him like hitting a spoon into his hand. Yeah. So he's not literally listening to his uncle. His uncle's just kind of he's like yeah okay whatever. Tell me that. And he's like lot looking at him and looking away. And he's trying to pour some very important lessons onto his nephew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like buddy, you gotta you gotta do it. I think you will, but if you don't, I will fucking destroy this place. <laughs> I will just sell it, you know. Yeah. I'll tear it to the ground, and I won't think nothing of it. Uh, Carmi and Sid have a heart to heart, which they have like several points throughout the series, which I guess that's life, you know, like 
obviously on, on one level we'd like our stories to be this thing where people are like you know what i apologize and i was wrong and now we're never gonna do that again yeah we'll never run into trouble but that's not how it works that's not how it works sometimes so like they have multiple moments where they're like sorry i was bad and you know sometimes it is just as simple as like you have a bad day right like they said yeah. that at one point i'm like listen i was tired i'm sorry didn't really mean all that mm-hmm. that's just you know just happens sometimes but they have this real hard heart where they're both like kind of confess to the one another that they're both basically scared that they're not going to fail and so they're kind of like well we won't let each other fail kind of thing which is nice and i know a lot of people when this season came out were um talking about like the potential for the two of them to be a, a couple in some form or fashion at some point what do you think of that i i definitely got that vibe that last season and this season they kind of play that up especially with the ending seems like it's even more I think it certainly could be. Likely. Um, I don't think that's ultimately where the show will go. Maybe not. Because I think having them, like, two people date each other who are in this very stressful environment where they constantly yell at each other and, like, get all uppity, I feel like that's not really what the show wants to go for. They need, they need like, their own safe spaces where they don't have to, like, they don't have to bring their work home with them. Because if they were dating and they also work at the same restaurant together, it would just it would just consume their lives. And I don't think that's what the show is trying to do. But there's also something to be said of like, sometimes people do shit like that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> people in stressful situations just do. Cause I, <clears throat> I told you, like I saw people at the time being like responding to that idea of like, well, they shouldn't because, well, first of all, the thing I always talk about on the show, which is that for some reason, people are very, a certain sect of people, right. Are very adverse to like romance, romance and relationship and stuff. Mm-hmm. Now like, why doesn't every, why does everything need, which again, I've uh, kind of, against before and that i feel like if anything we're in like a particularly like romance like light like this you know loveless sexless mainstream mm. <laughs> media at the moment right like think about how many of the movies we watched this year just didn't have any of that which again not that everything needs to but also i just don't understand the this narrative that everything nowadays does cause yeah i feel like it's less than ever right yeah like again for better or worse again perhaps it's good that some stuff just doesn't but I feel like we are certainly not at the peak of like shoehorning in Sexual, romantic subplots yeah. to mainstream media. And again, this is a show that's all about interpersonal relationships at the heart of it, right? Mm-hmm. So why why would this be a show where people are like, why does we need to have kissing in this? It's like I hear you, but like to be like, look, we have every kind of interpersonal relationship that exists, right, on display yeah. here, like coworkers and friends and brothers and sisters and co and they're like cousins and, and all this different stuff mothers and sons and all this mm-hmm. to be like well i don't know about romance though yeah ugh. and again romance? this idea that like first of all people are always gonna ship right we, we complain about shipping sometimes but are you really that like people are you guys are blown away that someone was like oh these two young Eligible. attractive interesting characters on this show should, should be together with each other like that's so inconceivable i don't think so i don't think so either that's pretty reasonable also you know, like that again happens in real life. <laughs> oh yeah, all the time. Two people, two people work together in a in a restaurant together. Oh, oh, who could have seen that coming? Like we all could. Everyone should have, frankly. You if didn't. anything, there's not enough. <laughs> there's it's not enough far too going on this show. If you really think about it, I'm. I'd be surprised if Tina's fucking Abraham in real life. Yeah, yeah. well, but you just and then that that culminates as well, though. With obviously, again, he has a relationship for most of this season. <laughs> yeah. And then um, also Marcus kind of tries and fails to ask out uh, Sydney, Sydney. In, the, in the season finale here. Kicking up bottom of being mad at Carmen. Uh, Sydney more valid than Marcus as we talked about last week because Marcus just 
Didn't really do his job at the right time. He was, he was rough. Marcus, he didn't need to do that. Again. Marcus is a little bit of a goo. The whole point of that goofo. episode is that Carmen was like. Going off the wall. He he had a real regression in that episode. Yeah. But he could have at least been making the food, man. Yeah, they do tell him several times to uh, like, don't get distracted by the donuts and make the cake that you said you're going to make. That's your job now. And he's like, I I would not get it. I, I, chef, I know this is the most stressful thing ever. And you just watch you screaming at all my coworkers. Try this donut. And he's just, it's like, I don't fucking want this, dude. This is not the time. But, uh, so that doesn't go super well for him, does it? No, no, no. So then the finale here is it's so it's friends and family night. It's like the night before they actually open, where this, as the name would suggest, to friends and family, which is good because it means that like you know they can they're allowed so to fail basically. Yeah. Right? So it's it's a dry run in a lot of ways, and again they're allowed to like make mistakes because these aren't real paying customers. Um, and it starts to go kind of basically kind of poorly, right? Like it starts off pretty good and everyone's having a good time, but then they're kind of kind of running away from them a bit. Yeah. Uh, and this culminates with like the orders are coming in too fast. They're getting behind. Stuff is uh getting cold. Getting cold. Yeah, like they they can't get food out enough, and then the food that they do get out doesn't actually get out to people, and it's it's going pretty poorly. And then they kind of shift around a bit where uh, Richie comes in and takes over, reading off all the I don't know what you'd call that tickets. Yeah, reading off all the tickets basically. Yeah, exactly. And then um, <laughs> Carmi accidentally uh locks himself in the locks himself in the fridge because. On some level, it's his fault because he hadn't called the guy that he was supposed to call. Like they call, they tell him multiple he's asked times, like four different times throughout the season to call this guy. Um, and sort of like again, like so, like I was saying before, right? Like his relationship with Claire is, on a lot of ways, a good thing, but it it does also seem to very. It just does seem to literally like distract him at times, right? Mm. There's this tangible element of that, right? Um, and so that kind of rears its head, and like we. I think it's in the, the penultimate one or the eighth episode where we see that like he literally is <laughs> right about to call the fridge, the fridge guy. guy and then he gets a call from her he's, and then he gets distracted by like a third thing and he's just pulled around because again he's just he's maybe just going in too many directions mm, here spread too thin and uh he goes to do that and like so he gets locked in and the kind of I don't know like for I think for his um mental state it's probably a bad thing right is that while he's locked in there they all figure it out right yeah they like work it out and they do what they need to do. And Richie steps up and Sid steps up and they, 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 they figure they it they out. Do it. And the thing is kind of maybe the worst thing for him in that moment is that they don't need him at all. Mm. He sees that their tape is all cut weird. Cause they don't cut it with the scissors like he wants them to. Or I think, isn't it just that the, the tape dispenser is like old? No, I think, you think? Is it, they're not because they he doesn't want them to tear it on because it doesn't tear evenly. He wants them to cut it with scissors. Well, I think if the tape dispenser was better, better I thought I thought it was just a be, thing. Maybe you're right, but I don't think surely he doesn't expect someone to stand there with yeah scissors did. every time. Do you think that's, so? That's what he's. My, said. What I took that to mean is just it's just one of those things where it's like we just need a new tape dispenser, and I just never did it. Got around to doing that. Just like a, a number, whichever one it is, though. The point is, it's these little details throughout, right? That he didn't do right, mm. like the fridge or the pans being on the right side or this tape dispenser, whatever the case may be, he's just got all these weird, like, things that he wasn't paying attention on. And uh, he's wrong, right? Yeah. That's the thing. Obviously, they do need him, and he was integral to this, right? But in that moment, again, he's taken as like, oh, well, I let everyone down kind of thing. I'm locked in a fridge in the opening night of the restaurant. I'm locked in a fridge, and I did these other things wrong, and it's all my fault kind of thing. And they're like, well, no, not really. Like, we did it. We did it all right, and that's part of the reason we were able to do it is because of you, right? Mm. And even if on some level, like, his... 
one of the things he's doing well is kind of outsourcing like that's a strength in and of itself right the delegation like sending everyone out that, like sending everyone all these different things right the fact that Carmi didn't decide like I'm gonna try to teach all this stuff to all of them myself is probably a good thing because mm-hmm. again like we talked about like one of the things he's very good at cooking but one of the things he seems to probably lack on some level is like the passion for it right? yeah like does he have enough like or the patience to teach someone well right? certainly the patience to teach right but even like even if he had that like does he have the kind of passion to care enough to really because i feel like that's kind of part of what you need right mm. to really teach something how to it's just something like this right and the show is like we, we i read that one review right where the guy was like it's a show that's about that like you know talent and passion are like precious yeah and i think yeah i think that's a big like through line to this and so he has a lot of one, but he doesn't necessarily have any of the other. A lot of the other at the moment. So he probably couldn't like make people understand in the same way that like all his little, all his friends and associates were able to. Yeah. Um, and this culminates with him like ranting at Tina through the door here, and then she like gets pulled off and doesn't realize, and then <laughs> the facts actually. Yeah, facts sends her back there. To the worst possible moment. Yeah, the worst possible moment. He's like, yeah, maybe this is, maybe I shouldn't be in a relationship ever. I should be alone for the rest of my life because I'm not good enough at my job if I have a girlfriend. Yeah, and then his girlfriend hears that. That's worse. And he basically says that, like, being bad at his job and having a girlfriend is worse than not good at his job and not having a girlfriend yeah he would rather be good at he would rather be good at his job and have no girlfriend and not enjoy any of it he doesn't have no passion or love in his life at all and she's like hmm i guess i'll leave understandable have a nice day and he's like oh ah, this news is devastating i'll be going now i'll never recover from this i think emotionally until maybe season four uh, and then that's right. where she's like they have a big argument through the door and it's shot in a way that you we can see both of them at once but obviously they can't see each other because of the fridge door they say some pretty awful things to each other. Uh, Richie just caught more um, Carmen than Richie because Richie catches so. himself. Yeah, the part where Richie catches and he just says like he says he loves him like three yeah. or four times during the midst of their like A heated argument. Down brag, I'll draw, and Carmen doesn't uh, pick up on that. Carmen can't hear him because he's screaming so loud, and it seems like Richie's just trying to bring Carmen back down to earth. He's like Carmen, mm. you just gotta f- stop. Just- yeah, he's like, he starts because he's like. What did you say to her? Yeah. What, what have you done? Well, Which is a pretty valid response. Yeah. Again, he maybe takes... Because immediately he's like, oh, you fuck everything up. Why can't you let anything be good or whatever? But, I mean, it's a pretty valid response to be like, what did you say to her to make her so upset? This is pretty fuck. Yeah. That's not a cool thing to do. Just made this woman, girl we know, cry. Like, oh. Why would you do that? And he's just like, that's, it just deflects. He just falls into his old toxic habits. He does probably take it too far when he calls her. He calls him her mom. his mom. He yeah. calls her Donna. And that's... That's certainly a trigger for him. Yeah, he can't be doing that. He probably escalates it. But then Carmen says some pretty shitty stuff. Absolutely. She's like, you're a loser and you're not good at anything. You're I should a have fired you already. And you're and it's like, oh, come on. Because again, we had this whole thing where like, he had this whole arc where he really, he is good at it. He's very clearly an asset to the restaurant mm-hmm. on m- multiple levels. And that's, it's just not cool. Shitty thing to do to someone. It's a shitty thing to say. Dead to do. Uh, and then also the Nat subplot, this one basically is that, She's pregnant. Well, she's pregnant. She's been pregnant all season. But I was just going to say she's, um, yeah, well, and then all season long, she's, like, getting more and more invested. Do you remember what her old job was? Her old job was? Was no. she, like, a lawyer or something? Like, I don't remember. Really good? I don't remember. I'll bring it up here. But, um, yeah, her thing is that she's pregnant and then, like, progressively becoming more and more invested in um, in this restaurant and all this and the success of it all. 
And then she invites their mom to the friends and family night, which Carmen's not super happy about, but he's like, all right, whatever. I guess I'll figure it out. Um, yeah. But she seems to put a lot of stock into it because she basically thinks that, like... It's going to fix everything between them. Six, yeah, basically. She's put a lot of stock in us to be like, oh, she's going to come and it's going to be great and she's going to be super proud of us and, and say that how much she loves us and is proud and all that. Yeah. <laughs> Which is probably, you know, a bit... Uh, Even Pete's like, don't get your hopes up too much. Yeah. And then he eventually, like, sees her... Outside. Outside. And he, like, goes out to greet her and be like, oh, coming in. And she's like, ah, I don't think I can do it. And she actually has a pretty profound moment of, like, self-awareness here. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I don't think it was a very good mom, probably. You know, yeah, I, I don't know how to say I'm sorry. And, like, I know that, but I don't know how to say. Don't know how to show them that I can appreciate them. I don't want to ruin the, this wonderful thing they have. So I'll just stay out of it. Probably just leave. And it's like, oh, that's tough. She didn't even know that, like, her daughter was pregnant yeah. and all that. And again, this is a moment where I'm like, Pete's just a normal stand up kind of guy. Just, just a stand up. Because then he has, this, has had this moment where he's like, oh, maybe, you know. But even then, like, so he's he knows all this, right? Mm-hmm. But he still has enough, like, I don't know, like empathy to be like, hey, but don't, you know, don't blame her for it. I think it's, I think she's got a lot going on herself and it's probably fair. And and, and he's like literally crying there because he's just like Can't, upset for her and upset for his wife and all that. And I feel like that's, she's a good guy. Oh, he's a stand-up fella. Stand-up fella. He's a normal he's human being. Yeah, he's just a normal, again, he's just like maybe the most well-adjusted person on this show. Oh, absolutely. That's why everyone's like, this loser Pete, this goofball, God, what, what does he know about anything? And it's like, I think he's just a uh, good guy. Probably goes home to his family, his nice family. <laughs> On Thanksgiving. Yeah, their family di- dinners are just, just nice. They just watch a bit of football. They just help out <laughs> if they need to. But yeah, so uh, the, the season ends with Car- Carmi in a pretty bad place. Everyone else is doing all right. I mean, it's it's unfortunate that like um, Carmi and Richie's relationship is regressed, and obviously him and Claire are going to probably not be an item. At least for this game. season. It's next but then, season. Like, again, everyone else has kind of succeeded. This mm. This opening night was kind of a triumph. We didn't kind of, of talk about it, but Tina's got a nice arc in this yeah, one yeah. as opposed to in season one because she's uh, she's asked to be Sid asked her to be her sous chef and uh, she gives culinary school she gets really into it and then um, she can't find her knife and then Carmen gives him gives her his like fancy super expensive like chef's knife that he used when he was in his like when he was at like the peak yeah and he he just gives it to her like it's hers and uh, she really appreciates that so it's a fun. As opposed to last season, she was like hiding it from him and like giving him shit all the time and didn't respect him. Like she's come around and become a, a great chef. Yeah, it's cool. Oh, and then what's his name has an arc where he's like he's struggling with the change and all that. Ibrahim. Uh, and he kind of like drifts away, but then he gets they get him back in. They're like, listen, you don't gotta like be new big fancy chef man if you don't. You still got a place here, kind of thing. Yeah, cool. still come back to us. I can't, I can't find for the life of me what her freaking job was. <laughs> That's I mean, was it just that she didn't have one? No, I, th- I think she had a job. Surely she did. The Bear Natalie. Original job. <laughs> job. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I don't know if it's said. For some reason, I thought it was said. Oh, this is banking. Was she, was she some kind of bank? Some kind of... There it is. She's good at finances, I guess. She gets them all in order. That's what we're going with. Perfect. Uh, let's see. The, let's see if I can find this knife here because I'm curious. <laughs> Every single knife featured in the Bear season two, and where to buy them? Oh, there you go. <laughs> it's an art, not just a knife. Prop master Laura Roper says of the Japanese steel blade she sourced for the show. What do you want to guess, Jack? That the biggest? Uh, I, uh probably uh, four, five hundred dollars. Those knives can get pretty expensive. 
Oh, these ones aren't actually so bad. It's a super fancy chef's knives. Carmi switches between the Yoshimi Echizen 240mm and 150mm in addition to the Geshin 210mm throughout season 1 and 2, all of which are from Japanese imports in Beverly Hills. Think about the places all the Japanese knives are hand-forged, each family and blah, blah, blah. There's only one or two places in Chicago that know how to sharpen them. This is the Yoshimi Echizen 150 stainless steel. It's only $220, which is not nearly as many as I would have thought. Or the Yoshichi Echizen 1 240mm is $325. Yeah, it's still not that's not that many. The most expensive one on here is four hundred and twenty nine, which is a lot of money. Not as much as I'd expect. Not no. I expect it to be at least over half a grand at its absolute maximum. Yeah, they're kinda of crazy. Oh, okay. So yeah, the one the one he gives to her is to Tina is one of the one of those ones. Which again it's still expensive, but I thought I thought they got like crazy expensive. Mm-hmm. I was thinking they were like samurai swords or something. <laughs> but I mean I guess there's I mean, a knife is still just a knife, right? Like it's yeah, not, there's only so much steel you're using in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No matter Same. how much you press it and fold it and whatever. Cool. Um, oh, the, I'm just going to check this thing. Apparently the, apparently the writer says no. Oh. The Shonar guy says no. Which, again, makes sense. I listen, I don't feel passionately about this. I just, I do think it's so funny when people are like, so strong. Feel so strongly either way. Yeah. <laughs> again, when people are like, they're clearly soulmates who are destined to be together or whatever. Or people are like, I don't understand how anyone could ever possibly see that. They're no, they could never be together. Which we're going to touch on one more time in a minute here. But, um, So yeah. Incredible show, huh, Jack? Oh, very good. How does this rank in terms of shows I've made you watch? It's got to be up there, surely. It's got much better than Westworld. Shut the fuck up. Why, you, you, didn't even, you just didn't even um, say that, though. Like that, Here's the thing about that, though. You were ranking them. You just didn't need to, well, you didn't on, need to now, mention it. Hold on, now, oh, hold on. I said, on, now, how does it compare? It was like, on. one of the best ones. I compared it. Yes. No, you didn't need I to go. I compared it, though. To give a proper answer, don't be mad. I'm Knuff, Jack. Why can't you just... Uh, yeah. Am you, I Knuff or not? You're Knuff. Westworld? Not. You know how I know that? This show hasn't been canceled. <laughs> or put on Peacock. That's not... Listen... Jeffrey Wright has a feeling in his bones, Jack. Oh, he does, does I he? I told you. I, showed, I sent you the article. Uh, he did right? send it to me. He says that. I believe in Jeffrey Wright, all right? I've, told, I've said I would, before. He's I like would patron never. patron saint of this show. No, don't you Don't you disparage Jeffrey Wright. I said I would never doubt Jeffrey Wright. I would never. And I would yet nev- here you stand. I would never see him as a, a man of faulty character. I would never question him. I wouldn't say he's the patron saint of our podcast. It feels like there's a couple people who could. Jump a little bit higher, but I mean, I like the man. He's a great actor. Last time I said this, you had someone else. I don't remember who it was, though. Probably like Consul or probably Harrison Ford or something. <laughs> or uh, George Lucas or something like that. Do you get to pick your patron saint? How does that work? For, like, personally? Yeah. No. Like, you don't? Like, uh, who picks your saint? Like, with, like, if you're like a group? What do you mean? I don't know. Because people, because really here's the thing, people yeah. don't just get their own saints. There's not that many. There's a lot of saints, not that many. There's saints. a ton, dude. But not not for every single fucking person. The Pope's not like, all right. Well, no, no, no. I don't mean everyone has their own. Like, of who course. gets people, what? Some people have to share saints. Yeah. You're saying. Well, of course, I get that. Um, this says patron saints are those whom the Catholic Church regards as an advocate for specific situations in a Catholic. Oh, that's what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Like Sam. So for him to be the patron saint, it would have to be a scenario where someone's decided what it is that he specifically represents and that that would align with what our show represents. Mm-hmm. Well, what does our show represent? I don't know. What does Jeffrey Wright represent? I just said that because he's in a lot of stuff we've watched, you know? That's, that's, that's where fair. I was coming at, right? No, I... Because he's in the I, Batman I, and Westworld. And, and he's in the French Dispatch, the French Dispatch and, and Asteroid City. And the, 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 the Marvel thing. What he, if? Yes, he is in what and if. James Bond. He's, 
He's in James Bond. And you brought up James Bond, didn't you? Well, yeah, he he was in it. He was in it. He had to be in it. Um, I don't remember. You definitely said someone else, though, who was in the running. And I was like, that's a a good pick. I couldn't recall. So I think it's Jeffrey Wright. Anywho. I see the boys ranks up there. Oh, that's right. You do like the boys. I like the boys a lot. I can't think. What are the other ones? I honestly, I honestly, though, I think you could definitely make it right, but this is even better than. I would say. The it's boys. probably better than the boys. Yeah, the boys is cl- the boys is very much more, it's cl- more so on brand for us. Yes, I'd say. I'd say the boys is close. Oh yeah, the boys is very good. No, but I think it's just better. Yeah, the boys is a very good. Uh, and I'd probably justify City Primeval right in the middle. Okay, so I, didn't, I didn't. I didn't love that's, it. That's quite a rush. I, I, Jack, I can't really. Yeah, that's fine. What other shows? Is there another show? I feel like there were five. I mean, Rebels. I made you watch. Oh yeah, I guess you did make me watch Rebels. Uh, the I made you watch Dave. Dave, okay. I won't say where Westworld is, but it's not high. <laughs> it's not getting any higher. I'll tell you that much for free. It's just a bit, though. Again, this is like Indiana Jones, where you just you play this up because you think it's funny. I don't really like Westworld that much, but I don't and hate I know it. you don't really like the Indiana Jones movies that much, but you still play it up. Or the, not the Indiana Jones. I do play it up. I, I Truthfully, if I'm to be totally honest, if I don't like something, I usually just have a neutral opinion. I couldn't care. <laughs> Westworld could have 100 seasons. That could be the greatest thing, and that's great for them. But I would never watch it. And, or they could have no season and be nothing. Like either way, like great for them. Good stuff in Westworld. Come on. Hey, I never said there weren't good stuff. You're I'm not, just saying you can't be that indifferent. Here's the thing: season three and four not that good. That's fine. Uh, that's half season the show. Two pretty. But that's good, half though. the show though. If half the show's not that Again, good, we're not. I'm not. I'm not trying to talk about Westworld. I'm trying to talk about the bear. And I think the bear <laughs> is great. See, one and two solid. Let's see what season three takes us. And I think it'll. It won't do that. I think it'll be continue to be great. Again, I. I so it's not been renewed yet, and I think that's probably strike related as much as anything. Definitely, because it's it's just as well received, if not better, than the first season, and also um, Emmys more momentum wise. I think it has more viewership and all that, mm-hmm. just straight up numbers wise. I'm gonna actually look this up because when we talked about the Emmys a couple weeks ago, I mentioned the Bear. I thought that was for season one. Again, the Emmys are weird compared to Oscars. They do, Cause it's they, like halfway through the year, so it's they do a rolling. It's year. like June to June, not January to December, or whatever. Mm. To get confusing, because obviously we have stuff like House of the Dragon and or and stuff from last year that were in the same contention as like the new stuff. So I thought I was under the impression that the bear was from last season mm-hmm. was getting nom, because otherwise, then you'd think we should get like guest guest star noms for Jamie Lee Curtis, Jimmy Curtis and stuff. And also, does that mean if that was the case, did they win last year? I, I don't or, know. Or were they up for or win anything last year? Okay, let's see. Quick. Got it here. So okay, so twenty thirteen. What is twenty thirteen? I don't know. Like, does that mean the, this current one coming up for last year or outstanding sound editing for comedy or drama series half hour for review? Where is review? That has to be season one, right? When they get the review and the yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think the Emmys for last season. I think the Emmys are for last season. But then again, this is twenty twenty four. It's all scrambled because again, this aired at end of July or end of June. Where when's the cutoff? Well, I'll just, actually, I'll just I'll go to just Google Emmy nominations cut off. It's May of it's June first, twenty twenty two to May thirty first, twenty twenty three. So that's all there is to it. So yes. It is season one is up for the Emmys this year. That's so confusing. Why do they do that? That's, they I, must just do it so there isn't a million award shows back to back in January. Yeah. But that's that's annoying. Tell so you just suck it up and deal with it. Well, yeah. Or make it's it February maybe. Yeah, just a closer enough. 
You can still spread them out, but like, still just do it a year. Shit, do it in July for right now. I don't know, who cares? Uh, but there you go. So these, this this season will be. That's another thing, actually, is that this show, like, the only show we've ever talked about, I think, on this on our show here, that it's come out within a year of itself. Actually, did, did it, it. Um, and now it won't do it again. And the last. Oh, it won't. But not because of because of strikes. Fuck, that's tough. Unless the, unless they do strike soon, because it only took eight weeks to shoot this. Evidently, and this is a show that I can't imagine has to spend too much time in post production. No. So, yeah, if anyone could pull it off, it'd be them, I guess. But they could save TV. They could save TV, and they should, and they would, and they will. There, if there's anything that will come of the strike, they will be so desperate for content that when or if we get a season three of this, maybe they'll actually air it week to week just to spread it out just, more, just, just to keep to get more keep themselves alive. For their buck. I can't imagine why they wouldn't do that. Because Hulu, okay, it's so weird, isn't it? Don't you think? It's very strange. The problem is that Hulu is is like so um, haphazard. I don't know how they decide which ones they do week to week and which ones they don't. This so, thing right here, Only Murders in the Building, I'm pretty sure, is a week to week. Am I wrong? Oh, yeah. No, you're not, you're not wrong. I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong. Look, I'm right. But then like this, I think Reservation Dogs actually has always been a- You passed it. It was up there. Yeah. It's right there too. I think that's an all at once. So final season of Reservation Dogs came out this week. We might- uh, oh no, maybe not. Oh no, this is a week to week too. It is going week. Okay, look, let's check now. Oh no, I'm I'm just wrong. Never mind. Never mind. Ignore all that. <laughs> Ignore the man behind the curtain. <laughs> Pay no attention to him. Uh, maybe we, maybe we watch this, Jack. Maybe maybe we'll see. Um, there you go. The Bear, incredible show, one of the best shows I've ever seen. Oh yeah, I love it very very much. good. Um, but it's upsetting. But that's life, you know. Sometimes life's upsetting. It's like that thing where it's like, if everything just worked out and everyone was happy, it wouldn't really be as engaging, is it? would it? No. It's like the thing, you know, when, when they when they finally get together and then it's like, well, now what am I watching this? Yeah, Who gives a shit? It's what damn office. It's like that, so. But yeah, I, I like to I like to imagine that they got an end in mind for this kind of show. It feels like they should. I mean, the the writing and everything, it's like, it's very on point. So I would yeah. like to imagine Not that the people is... behind this got a plan. This doesn't feel like a, you know... Tight five, tight four. Yeah, this doesn't feel like a seat of their pants type operation. So it would be nice if they have the whole thing planned out. I always love when they have the whole thing planned out. That's yeah, more solid because you can do callbacks and stuff. Going out on three or four, going out on a high note is always better than like we drag Petering it out until out. no one cares. So yeah, hopefully they uh, get a third season. Hopefully. Again, the, the strike's ruining everything because, you know, rampant corporate greed. But Gotta love corporate greed. Do, do I? Do I have to? I mean, at this Christian. point, at this point, they're making you. At this point, you might not have a choice. Mm, alrighty. All right, well, we can add a tech out of that uh, into a show that we may not feel so strongly about. No, not nearly as strongly. Justified but. City Primeval. So we talked last week. I made you watch two episodes of Justified. Now here it is. Justified. It was. It was all in, in service of this. Justified City Primeval, which we talked about a little last week, is like a different book that was written by uh, the guy's name, who's El- Elmore. Ron and Elmore, Elmore someone Wayne? like that. It's based on two books. Is it? Now? It's uh, well, I, I, well, I think maybe, I, mean, I think it's, I think it's Fire in the Hole. Oh, Fire in the Hole, which is the first one, which is the yeah, which is the Raylan Givens book because it's Raylan Givens still, and, and then, then also it's it's just the, in City Primeval, which I don't, I really, I have no knowledge. I've never read City Primeval, so I don't know how much it relates one way or the other. But uh, again, it's something of a mash. So basically, the long and the short of it. The long and the short of it is that you can't have shit in Detroit. Detroit kind of sucks. Detroit's a terrible place. Kind of, to live. That's really the, that's the real short of it. Yeah. Oh. So Raylan, it starts with 
him taking his daughter to like a juvie camp. Yeah, some kind of camp that she has to go to for being getting into fights. Getting a delinquent. Being a vaguely delinquent. So it's his daughter from, you know. First one. From Justified. There's a little time manipulation here because she's like 15, even though the show only ended like eight years ago when she was only four. But Good enough. Good enough. He's, we could say he's a bad dad and doesn't know all the oldest daughter is. <laughs> well, no, she. It's pretty explicit that she's fifteen. I, I mean, I meant like before. He just, oh. he just thinks she's. She just thought he was four, but he's just been wrong. There you go. So he does that, and he just accidentally. Um, well, no, it says fifteen, so it's just they're just playing little oh, they're fast just, and loose as well. They're just playing with it. Um. So he basically just it just by happenstance they're like carjacked. They try to kidnap his daughter. Marshall with. Shotguns, shotgun, and stuff captures their dwells. So, Ch- drags him around, drags him around, and brings him in. But uh, in doing so, because again, he's all like kind of rough and tumble, not not really by the books kind of guy. It's the same kind of thing where he, they get off on like a technicality because yeah. he did it, you know, the wrong kind of way. He just took him. He took his daughter to get lunch and left him in the car. And so they were fugitives from. Detroit, correct? That's the yeah. Idea? He was from Detroit, so then he has to come to Detroit to testify, and that what sets it all off is that this judge guy is like meets him in the courtroom here. It's um, what's his name? Keith something. Yes, also from Community. Keith David. Uh, Keith David. Community. It's in Community. I guess I was gonna say the Arbiter. We were talking about Community before. It's really yeah, but he was the Arbiter for uh, that's a surely that's a better. Is he in Community much? I've never seen. He's him. in. I mean, he's like one of the main characters for like, the whole oh, season he is? six. He's yeah. Living? Oh yeah. Well, there you go. But he's the Arbiter, Jack. He's Sergeant Foley in Modern Warfare 2. I didn't know that. He's the Arbiter, Jack. You know the Arbiter from Halo. I do know the Arbiter. He's also... Um, Were you blinded when you first saw Halo? What? No. He's so much. You know. He's all like, I'm sorry. He's also... Uh, they desecrated with their filthy footsteps. So the voodoo guy from Prince and the Frog? He is, yeah. Dr. Facility. Good call. He's in a lot of shit. He's, he gets around. He gets well, he's the president in Rick and Morty. He's the president. He's the one... He, but yeah, in Modern Warfare 2, he's like, Ramirez... Get to the Burger Town because you got to defend the Burger Town from the Russians. Never played that game. They hate freedom. That's a fa- and that's a fact. You take that to the bank, Jack. And then well, I know that's true because the history books told me our books. Also, like current events, maybe can shine a little bit of light on that. Anyways, he's great, and he's all, and so he has an attempt on his life. Uh, right? He's trying to bomb his car, and he's because like, of, because of being well, a what judge. they assume is like, yeah, well, he's a judge. He's made some enemies, enemies with potentially dangerous people. But it turns out it's not even necessary. Because <laughs> he just fucked one of his the guy's mothers. <laughs> Which is very good, right? So this is kind of funny. This whole this whole situation plays out entirely within the first episode. Which I found interesting. Uh, at the time, I was like, wait, what, what is this? Mm-hmm. We, this is like open and shut case? What are we doing? Like, yeah. it, it felt very much more like a procedural kind of thing than this show usually is. And again, knowing this was like a, supposed to be like a one-off miniseries type thing, I'm like, what are, where are they going with this? It's weird. But then it turns out it's because it... um. Basically ends up crisscrossing with this other guy we're introduced to who is, what the hell is his name? Boyd. <laughs> no, was, the real life actor's name is Boyd. Oh. Which I think is fun. That's not what he is in the show. Though. No, well, it's, 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 it's Clemens. <laughs> no, it's um, yeah, um, it Clemens Mansell. And, uh, whatever the hell he is. The, the Oklahoma Wa- City Wild Man. It's a pretty good name. Um, So he's just like a smaller, small time criminal. He's the he's from Indiana Jones. Type of dude. He is, yeah. Horrible Nazi man again. And he's a horrible guy in this too. Yeah, he's pretty bad. Maybe a Nazi? He's got that kind of vibe, I guess. He's got that incolation. And so they're like running a separate scam where he's just generally kind of a piece of shit. Yeah. And they're also tied up with this uh, 
attorney lady who knows this bar owner guy who also is like a small time kind of criminal and they're all connecting and whatnot, right? Mm. And basically just in what essentially just amounts to a road rage <laughs> incident, uh, he murders the judge just and completely like coincidentally. Just out of, just because he's an insane man. Just because he's a horrible psychopath. And then that kind of wraps it all up into this where he just murders the guy and then he's like, oh, I got this book. And then he's like, maybe I'll just rob this guy's house because he was rich and he brings the secretary lady along mm. or assistant lady and then he murders her too and it's this whole thing. And uh, yeah, it's basically sets it all in motion it's because the judge himself was also kind of a little corrupt maybe and had all this dirt and different people. And so the season basically just consists of uh, the Oklahoma guy trying to like make use of all this while... Raylan is stuck in Detroit on this case that he doesn't really have interest in. Yeah, he's like, just stay for a little bit. You got 24 hours and you'll be gone. He's like, I guess, man. Which he's only, you know, because again, like we talked about last week, he's a, he's a marshal. He's not really supposed to be investigating murders. Mm. He's only really gotten wrapped up in this because the murder was of a judge. And so that's like federal justice on the territory. And then the attorney lady and the other guy, I don't, I can't remember everyone's names. Uh, it's, Sweets, yeah, sweetie, so whatever, right? Sweetie. Yeah, is that it? Sweetie, it's sweetie because he's got sweeties as his bar, and I don't remember the lawyer's name. They are trying to basically also get him, get him, but also not work with the marshal and also try to get sweetie off, even though he kind of is an accomplice to it all. And that's basically that's basically what it is here, right? Mm. The Detroit police suck. They're all kind of goobers, and this is the one guy. What's his face? <laughs> They're either goobers or just like. Outwardly corrupt, outwardly corrupt, or like, or just a little, little unhinged. Like the yeah. the red haired ladies, she's nice. She's got a family, but she's like, I just sometimes I want to kill my husband, and I, and I have to pretend that I like my life. And he's like, okay, weird. Ooh, Jesus, Jesus Christ. The one guy's like, we could just plant plant it on him or whatever. He's like, we'll do it, you know, do Detroit, Detroit style. We'll do Detroit style. <laughs> and Ren's like, that's kind of fucked up, man. Tell me, I'm I'm not really a cop. I'm a marshal. I'm a little different. He's like, yeah, I don't like doing that either. But you know, it's something we could do. Always an option that was on the table. The one guy's very excited to use his Belgian Malinois on the on the criminals. It's yeah, they're a bit rough and tumble. These Detroit folk. Like the one, what the one of them, um, who's in one of the thumbnails. When they go to the the many a mob is involved because um, Mansell is his hit. He's trying to rob the this Albanian dude. It's like uh yeah, they're trying to pull a scheme on him. Scheme on him with uh, his girlfriend Sandy, and he like breaks his leg. Well, she like honey pots him. And yeah, they want to get all his money. But when they get there, they realize he's just some fucking goober who fills his safe with guns. He's like, look at all my cool guns and stuff, and like you can play PlayStation. Uh, and so he breaks his leg with like a door, like a big garage door. And so the Benny mob is none too pleased. And then when Raylan goes to meet with like his uncle, who's the head, the guy whose leg got broken. Uh, the other Detroit cops like, hey, I know this guy's name and where he's gonna be, and then they go, okay, cool, we're gonna kill him. And Ryan's like, why would you, why would you do that? You put, we need that guy to like go to jail, and you're just gonna give him to the mob. That's the, why would you ever do that? So no, it's gonna be fine. It's gonna be great. It's gonna flush him out. It's like he's gonna die. He's gonna be dead in the river. You fucking idiot. Uh, they do some Albanian torture because Albanians are just these criminals are just the worst because they're gangsters. Yeah, I didn't think they're gonna rip that girl's teeth out. It's crazy. They didn't need to rip that girl's teeth out. She's just the roommate, man. That's lunacy. This guy sucked. That guy, that guy probably deserved to get shot, honestly. Well, that's because they're gangsters. And gangsters are terrible people. Why would you rip the teeth? What, what about that is going to make anything go faster. go faster? She probably told you everything because she just doesn't care. 
right? Yeah. How much loyalty does she have for her roommate to be like, ah, you're never going to make me talk? She probably was immediately like, yeah, she's, she's just a girl who lives here. We're like not even really friends, really. Yeah. Yeah. She says she you doesn't know, pay her rent. Like, you know what roommates are? Like the concept of a roommate? Yeah, it's, We're not best friends, dumbass. We just live in this place together. Yeah, are you we, stupid? We just go to work. We don't always see each other. What are you going to take... What are you taking my teeth out for? Ridiculous. I was going to admit, yeah, that one guy probably deserved to get shot. And then he's like, no, my friend. No, my brother. Dude, you were just, you guys were ripping our teeth together, and then you and then you tried to run from the Detroit police while they had guns on you. Come on. What do you what did you think was going to go there? Come, yeah, come, come on. Because you, you didn't want to get caught for pulling the teeth out. I mean, listen. 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 Again, this show may be, you know, the, the whole justified uh, cinematic universe here. Again, it borders on like Copagoon or whatever, which is something you ought to be aware of, perhaps. Yeah, you got to keep it in mind at least. There is a little bit of like, you know, this show does, and, and the previous one do lean pretty heavily into like the, the live, you live by the gun, you die by the gun. <laughs> I the mean, that's how the first here, episode right? starts. That's, that's this whole, it well, was justified. Thing. If you live, yeah. You're going you're gonna to have a gun, I'm going to shoot you dead in the street. He's got no problem shooting a guy who's got a gun. It so. was, it's kind of, um, at one point, his daughter's with him, so that's a point of contention. When he's like, I gotta take care of my daughter because she's in this dangerous place. How what do I do? And then so like tracks him down to his hotel. That was pretty freaky. And like talks to his daughter, and he's like, "You better stop." And he's like, "You know, if we were in Kentucky, I'd try to fuck your daughter." And then he beats the shit out of him. Yeah, that's a fuck thing to say, right? Yeah, he's, and he's like, "I'm like gonna," that. he's like, "I'm gonna kill you next time I see you." And then he drives to his the lawyer's house. He's like, "See, he assaulted me." And she's like, "Why would you I'm do that?" Assault you if you don't get out of here, dumbass. Yeah. She's like, well, we went to talk to his daughter. You're like, you went to talk to a marshal's daughter who's investigating you? Why would you do that? That's just like a stupid thing. You're looking for trouble. He's, yeah, he really is just a psycho. Like, Yeah, he just likes doing this. He just likes getting a rise out of people. I mean, he says he likes to do whatever he wants. Like, he's whatever. Uh, right. The lo- lawyer and our good friend, the marshal, Timothy Elephant, started a little relationship. A bit of an affair here. And then her thing is that her husband's husband a piece of shit. A piece of shit. And <laughs> defrauded her. Yeah, I don't. It got into what? What specific was that about? Like, what did he have all those debts from? What was he up to? Well, he said she mentions at one point that to Raylan that he gave her money for like a basketball team that didn't actually exist. Oh, is it literally so? Is that business venture? So I think like he just was like, it's mostly legit. Yeah, he wasn't. He was doing crime. He was doing doing, like hard drugs or anything. He's just an idiot. He's just an idiot. Yeah. And then he's like, "Baby, I want you back." And she's like, "I think." And then she's like, "Well, I see all this women's clothes." She's like, "I didn't live with me. It didn't matter." You should. I. You're being emotional, and then she kicks his ass. Yeah, she still well, paid all that money to the IRS. You would. I would have read them out. Well, that's because they were gonna take her business. Yeah, they're so gonna get her. She, she kind of had to just nip that in the bud. And there's no money now. And then, um, yeah, they're like sleeping together, but maybe that's not because he went and got all the ex-husband rolls up. And then, where's this, where's this one end? No can't quite get a lead on him because. They they can't pin any of the stuff to him. Oh, At the, one point they're looking for the cop who arrested him the first time. Oh yeah, that's that's it. So we see a flashback at one point to this thing they did where they just basically robbed these other drug dealers, and that was the thing they tried to get him for. But because of some technicality, I don't remember. They explain they don't actually go away for it, mm-hmm. even though he killed like four people in the fifth one. It survived long enough to bear witness him. to it, but that's fine, I guess. So he gets off on it, and then. What does this guy say? He talks about how, like, he played a cat and mouse game with another criminal, and he finally showed up to his house because they were done with it, and then he just shot him when he was, like, not looking. And Rand's like, you had a, but he had a gun, and he's like, he didn't have a gun. I just shot him because I wanted to shoot him. He had a bottle opener. <laughs> he had a bottle opener. I, I have no, I have no like, illusions about what I've done. Everyone's like, oh, is that me? 
And he's like, that was that was like hard on you, right? And the guy's like, I still look up, baby. He's like, oh. So yeah, that's yeah. He goes, just got to try to like see what they can pin him down on her. And yeah, it seems like this kind of implies like maybe he's having second thoughts about this whole whole operation. Yeah, sometimes it seems like you just gotta. At least for how they do it, they're like, nah, sometimes you just got to shoot him dead. Because he's, you know, his relationship with his daughter's strained because he sends her away and all that. And he's like, at one point in this episode, he's like, I feel like I should just leave. I just want to go home. You can go back to Florida, see my family. But he like, can't let it go kind of thing. So how do you think? Well, I don't know how many episodes this is. I would assume. Is I it, assumed 10. Is it 7? Okay, let's see. Well, it's. Uh, well, they I feel sh- like it'd be. They show down at seven, so maybe it's not. Be, no, I don't think. I don't think this is a ten. Does this have ten more? Well, not ten more, but f- what? Five more? Yeah, this doesn't have five more of them being like, "I'm gonna get you," and he's like, "I'm doing other stuff though." Yeah, probably it's just not. one guy. Because again, it's not compared to some of the other seasons of Justified. This is smaller in scale, right? This isn't yeah. any kind of grand criminal mastermind or conspiracy or anything. It's just it's one not, shitty. It's dude. not Sam Elliott. Yeah, it's just one shitty guy. <laughs> just one crazy man. That's the still from David Cross. Oh yeah, he's he shows up. It's fun. He bulldo- he's like a bulldozer guy. They like, uh, build condos. He's in the book, and they're trying to like extort him. They run their extortion scheme on him, but then Menzel, because he's a psycho crazy person, comes back and steals his painting, fancy expensive painting. Has that too. So what do you think? I mean, they're gonna just have a gunfight at the end, probably, right? He's gonna be justified. I mean, he's gonna go him. back, and his daughter's gonna probably forgive him. Absolutely. You know, that's his that's his real life daughter. It's Timothy Olyphant's daughter. Really? Yeah. Hmm. She's 20. So maybe that's part of why they aged her up, so they could use his daughter. And they're like, well, listen, she can pass as 15, but she can't pass it as 12. 12. No. At least they didn't they didn't go the Idris Elba route, where they're like, well, my daughter, there's not the right chemistry between us, so I'm going to cast somebody else. I mean, listen, kind of based from Idris Elba, don't you think? It is kind of based. I think they have good chemistry. They have very good chemistry. That's why I looked, because I was like, I think this daughter's very good. It's just his actual daughter. His daughter, so that makes sense. Give me more doubt about it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's pretty good. We'll probably check in, I guess. If we only have... Oh, wait, let's see. Oh, there is going to be eight. So there's... Three more. Three more. That makes sense. They often do eight. Yeah, they never do odd numbers, do they? Seven no. would have been a weird one. But there's seven. There's only up to seven on the screen here. But yeah. So eight of this, and then... You know, he's going to shoot him, I bet. <laughs> he's probably going to shoot him dead. I mean, he hasn't shot anyone yet, so... No. Maybe he'll be, he won't shoot anyone. He'll be fine. No. Well, I mean, that would be like, you know, story lot, like storytelling wise, yeah, symbolic and whatnot. If he if he's moved past that part of his life, but they do bring up the begin the Miami shooting, from oh, yeah. the, so that's Cause somehow that's common knowledge. He's like, I know you shot that guy in Miami. How would you know that? Also, why would you bring that up? That doesn't help you. That only that shows like twenty years ago. What are you talking about? Yeah, I I'm and I'm having dinner with your daughter, me, a known criminal. Don't, ah, but I know you actually did a bad thing once, maybe. You shot another criminal, so I'm, I'm, I'm cool. A thing where, again, you were justified and, like, cleared of. Yeah. You were, didn't go to prison, and, and if you attack, and, you know, if you attack me now, you probably also get cleared. Also, like, again, this is, like, kind of propaganda in the way of, like, you know, this show wants you to believe that, um, cops are held accountable for the bad things they do. <laughs> and they're never Which, are. in, like, real life, you, I don't think you push a marshal like that, because... They'll kill you. I don't think you, yeah. They'll shoot you maybe in that hotel. Like, come on. In Detroit? They might shoot you in that hotel. I don't think that's a real thing that works, being like, oh, you're not going to hurt me because you're held accountable to the law just as much as I am. <laughs> like, no, you stupid idiot. Like, what the? Also, first of all, you'd be dead anyways, so what's it matter to you? Like, that's, well, 
Yeah. yeah. It'd be more like, no, me and my buddies are all going to plant stuff on you and I'm going to get away scot-free with it. Yeah. You're going to go to prison I'm still gonna forever. Get my if you're not, <laughs> the best you can hope for is that you're in prison for life. You get some, your ghost gets some fucking justice, I guess, maybe. <laughs> can hum from beyond the grave, but I'm going to live comfortably for the rest of my life on this pension, pay with tax dollar money, <laughs> and do and probably frame a hundred more people before I'm done. Ah, uh, America. <laughs> Bless. No, he wouldn't, because we know that Raylan Givens is a good one. He's one of the good ones. Oh. All right. It's a good old boy. For, uh, justified justified si- City Prime Evil. First six episodes? Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, I'd say so. It's just fine. It's a fine show to watch. Past the time. Very middle of the road. Um, probably even more so than original series. But that's, it's just, it's fine. It's fine. It's just fine. If it's the type of show you'd be into, you'd probably be into it. And But it's not like the, again, something like The Bear where I'm like, well, this is an exceptional thing that I feel like. You should watch regardless. Is compelling on the power of its writing and its um, performances alone that like it elevates the rest of it. This is just like, well, if you're into this kind of police type of stuff, you'd probably be into it. And if you're not, it's not quite so exceptional to like. Mm-hmm. Right home about. Yeah. So, well, I could take up Justified into Rebels Season 4, the final season of the series, series finale. Um, That's right. Yeah. So, says fourth first, same as the others. Uh, pretty good. Yeah, um, I think so. This is, again, I've been saying this for lots of them, but like last season, uh, definitely some of the strongest ones in the whole, the whole show. Some of the oh, absolute yeah. peaks of this. So we open with the uh, Mandalorian Civil War, right? Yeah, where they use Sabine's weapon, that two-parter dissolves yeah, you from the inside or whatever. Edges. Beskar, uh, Bo-Katan becomes the leader of Mandalore, yeah. and that it goes swimmingly for her. Right. This is the whole thing that is um, expanded upon in season two and three of the Mandalorian. That whole thing and the, and the dark saber stuff which yeah very much becomes integral to to that whole thing uh better or for worse for better or for worse yeah i, I think it's <laughs> i don't know it's tough sometimes the way that all plays out oh yeah and for sure our thoughts on the mandalorian season four well documented season, season three. three sorry well, well basically season four if you count well yes i would almost <laughs> are well documented but <laughs> beside the point this is how that all plays out is at the end of this Sabine's like, hey, do you just should I just give this to you? And Bo-Katan's like, of course, nothing would go wrong. So, which again would cause a lot of confusion when she made such a big deal about it because she didn't make a big deal about it then. You know, I mean, they it's so it's weird. I don't know because there's that whole thing where they're like, Sabine, you need to be good at using this because people might challenge you and you need to show that and all that. But then they also, in the same breath, they're like, also at the end, you can just give it away and that's fine too. Yeah, you can give it to whoever you want. Even but then in season two, they're like, you can't give it away though. You have to win. You can't. You can't just give it to her. She it's not cool. But fine. Um, then we have a, another uh, soccer air thing. Double. Right? Where he just he does. Up. He's even more fucked up at this he's point. He's worse off than before already. So he's, you know, this seems to be a bad era for soccer air. This is when it really started to. Weigh on him. When he really started to break down and get all his different parts. Because we're only, you know, we're now just hop, skipping a jump away from. Rogue One. Rogue One timeline. So. He's got a lot of bad shit to happen to him yet. <laughs> yeah, he's got to give her to Krieger. He's got to talk to... I guess I don't know where that fits in. No, no, because this is obviously well after that. Because Mon Mothma's already... Declared, yeah, yeah. So this is... Krieger's dead in the ground. Yeah. By now, the <laughs> ISP's gotten everything they needed out of him. <laughs> Poor Krieger. Um, but yes, I just mean like he's got to lose... His leg? His he? other leg? Or yeah. He's got only one leg and his lungs are all fucked. 
by the time of, you know, he's doing his Darth Vader breathing, mm-hmm. breathing routine there by the time of Rogue One. So. Oh, yeah. His favorite thing. Uh, but then the, a big part of the season is is kind of recentering back on Lothal. Lothal, right? So, you know, we talk about how, like, season one is very much around Lothal, and then season two and three, we really expand out to cover the whole galaxy. And, and in season three, we're becoming part of this, or season four, rather, is right is when we connect to this whole large rebellion mm-hmm. um because they're doing the yavin 4 stuff but then also at the same time we kind of re focusing back in because lothal is now the site of the tie defender program and you get rid of those the factories and stuff which are a big deal because they're just tie defenders are very useful mm. they're fast thrawn is very good at using them because he's incredibly intelligent a smart guy so that's a big deal and also just in general like it's personal because it was all like they're fucking up my my, my planet. planet here and that's that's not cool no and it it isn't cool is it it's not very nice of them if i do say so i would agree there is a, a part that i a line that i find very weird that ezra says and shows you kind of like how like star wars scale is kind of wonky mm-hmm. is uh there's a part later where he gets teleported with the space wolves with his lethal magic wolves mm-hmm. halfway across the planet he's like i've been spending my whole life and i don't even know where i am right now he's like i didn't even know this place existed it's like Plants are big, man. I don't even. You you can teleport me halfway to South America and be like, you know where you are. You've lived here. It's like, no, I haven't. Yeah, that's again. That's the weird thing about Star Wars, right? Is that planets are basically treated like countries, if not maybe just cities. Yeah, just like a kind of a city with a, a lot of farmland on the outskirts. It's you know often entire planets are treated like there's basically one point of interest on the whole thing, mm-hmm. which of course, yeah, is absurd. You know, but again, it's also the same thing of like, why are all the planets in Star Wars, you know, one climate, one climate, they have like four animals, yeah, completely like monobiome. But I mean, there's there's some logic to that, right? Because part of the reason we have seasons and stuff the way we do is because of the tilt of yeah. our axis, which the, so maybe if that was, I don't know, I don't know enough to really get into it. But regardless, yeah, Star Wars is like that, right? Yeah, and every planet's basically treated like one city. But yeah, we get we do the Loth wolves. We meet them and see what they're about. Kind of love a kind of love a magic wolf and in the thing. Force wolves are a whole thing. Um, they, yes, yeah, so that's this one. This kindred. They beat up some Trandoshans for a bit. That's fun. Kind of love it because they're the worst. Yeah, Trandoshans are the worst. And then um, the kind of middle of the season here, nine and ten, is when start things start to really pop off. So this is a shorter one. This is back to season one length, right? Yeah, fifteen, twenty-two, twenty-two, fifteen. Um, nine and ten are crazy. Uh, so nine is a basically they've planned out this whole attack that uh, uh, Hera's gonna lead with uh, a squad of X-wings. Mm-hmm. Goes wrong on the um, on the factory, right? Mm-hmm. But yes, it goes poorly for uh, why is that? The Buckhead, I think. I think because they they break out the Tide Defenders there. I think. Someone know, for whatever reason they just are caught caught by surprise and they're all shot down, including Hera, who is the only. Survivor. Survivor even, much less that, you know, they all got shot down. And um, the Imperials get hair. It's rough. And so oh, yeah. you got to go get her, right? So Kanan goes to get her and he shaves his head, gets a new haircut. So this is like, you know, a lot of people's kind of the, the best episode of the whole series kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Is episode 10 of the season, Jedi Knight. So, and it's a, it's a pun because it's Jedi. It's the night. It's literally nighttime. It's the night of the Jedi. So Kanan's uh, basically like, well, this is what I trained for, right? Um, he, yeah, he has this, like, Mulan moment, right? He cuts all his hair off. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like what Sabine does in the Ahsoka trailer. Um, he shaves his beard and he cuts his hair and he's back to, like, I, I guess, I think the idea is, like, he's back to 
like pet on him almost right yeah because that's not obviously a haircut he's ever worn in the series mm-hmm. and you know there's all this stuff throughout the season of or the series or in, no this scene in particular though, with him the wolves right they call him doom which is his true name. real name is caleb doom um and at first you think it's doom like the doom of like yeah like doom like the bad word <laughs> the bad word the words that were the bad connotation uh but it turns out it was his name the whole time and he's like all right we gotta go we're gonna go bust this out uh and he's they got her and they're, they're basically like trying to get info out of her right we got um just a weird torture droid torture droid and we got thrawn and and governor price and blah, blah but then uh well long story short right they bust her out and on the way out the um the tanker they're, they're surrounded by like uh, uh gunships right and it's looking mm-hmm. pretty poor like they're not gonna, they're not gonna go out, and they're poised precariously atop these uh, fuel containers, and so it's like really not great because if they, if they start shooting, it's all over kind of thing. Yeah. And Kanan has this big like, uh, well, he's just got a big like Jedi kind of sacrifice moment, right? And he sacrifices himself. He uses the force to like hold the hold explosion back. back, but he can't like save save himself and stop and the explosion. Then, yeah. So he holds it back and like pushes them away, gets them out of the way, as a uh, yeah. And he rents his sight right at the end. Yeah, at the very last moment he like can see again and he, he looks at her with his own eyes kind of thing. Which we talked about in season two, right? When he's like, I'll see you again. And he never does because um, he's blinded <laughs> before yeah. he gets back. But then he, he sees her right again, at the end. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. This is like, yeah. I mean, this is great. This is, this is a big deal at the time. We all kind of figured that like Cannon was going to bite it eventually for like, I mean, listen, I, we've talked before on the show that like I'm not one of those people who puts all that stock into like to my Jedi survive. Oh, last of the Jedi you will be, so there can't be any Jedi possibly ever. Um, but just thematically, right? Even just for the context of this show itself, Kanan being the mentor and all this, like that's a classic storytelling kind of thing mm-hmm. that he goes out eventually, right? Classic Star Wars thing, I mean. Very much a classic Star Wars thing, so that like Ezra can stand on his own kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he does. Kanan goes out. And he dies in, the, you know, pretty much the coolest kind of Jedi way you can, which is like, he doesn't do it in a big way, like killing a bunch of people or doing a, anything crazy. He, he just saves he them. saves the people he loves. And in the process, the Empire does the foolish thing and destroys their, their own, own factory. Yeah. So, yeah. He, does, he, he I mean, he wins, right? Like, yeah. in a lot of ways. It seems like, from at least, I guess, what I got from the show is that Kanan wasn't really supposed to die, like, in the context of the story, because the wolves are kind of peeved that he died. And even the yeah. Emperor's like, something's wrong. Like, something's fucking up now. Like, the fate of Lothal has changed in a way that I did not anticipate. So it's like he wasn't, like, he defied fate in some way, or the wolves needed him. They're like, well, we need this guy, so stick around. And he's like, well, now we're stuck with this fucking Ezra dipshit, I guess. So I think that was interesting, that, like, even though the the force is, like, kind of fate, it can be changed, Mm -hmm. like, just by his actions. Um, And then the time travel, which I think is... Well, before before we get to that, we have, like, a, a more, like, calm... Oh, it deals with his grief. Got big, the really big wolf is is doom is is Caleb maybe a little maybe. bit, or some part of him. Yeah. Uh, Chopper holds Hare's hand. <laughs> oh, that was nice. That's nice, right? He's, he's, he's not guy. being a dick and swearing all the time. Yeah, he's a good guy. Listen again, he's like uh, it's like I said, right? He's like your your kind of grumpy cat. Yeah, but when he, push comes to shove, he's gonna be there for you. But he's real grumpy about it. He'll come up and comfort you. Yeah, there it is. See. I don't know. I don't know how much comfort a, a like a, a metal hand. hand gives you, but it's the thought that counts. Right? It's the thought. Yeah. Maybe, maybe maybe they put like soft things inside, so whichever can grab easier. Uh, Sabine. Oh wait, is this Sabine? 
Ezra? Or both of them? No, that's... Oh, I guess it's just Ezra. Ezra and Zeb have a big hug, and he's like, yeah, Kanan's fucking dead, bro. <laughs> he's dead. They killed my mans. They got him. So, yeah, it's it's rough. It's tough on everybody. But um, that leads into the events of the next couple episodes here, where uh, the Empire's been excavating this temple. The temple they've been using. On Lethal. And it's just like, what's this about? So they, like, plan a mission to go here, right? Mm-hmm. And they discover... And then across the next two episodes here, uh, the world between worlds, which is a concept entirely introduced and thus far pretty much only in Rebels. Yeah, um, explored pretty much entirely. I'm, um, I'm forgetting. I'm sure I'm forgetting once there. I I'm fairly certain it's been like mentioned or used at least a couple other times. But really, only this is the only time anyone's ever like been here and stuff. Which you know, this is one of the big things that people think could be played off a lot in Ahsoka. Ahsoka. Yeah, there's lots of... I mean, based on some of the trailers and stuff, it seems like she's doing stuff in this kind of realm of the, the portals and you can see all this shit. So it, it looks like it could be a thing. But uh, yeah, basically this is the world between worlds, which is a very, very controversial addition. I don't know how I feel. It's kind of... Yeah, that's it's kind of a lot of people, so... It's odd. Because he, sa- he saves Ahsoka from Darth Vader. Does he really, though? Because I think the thing that people get hung up on with this, which I feel like it's relatively explicit about, I would think, is I think this... I feel like the point of this is that you can't really change it. Right? Because the thing he really tries to change, of course... Is Kanan's death. Is Kanan, and he's unable to do so. Because if he saved Kanan, he can't save himself. He can't save himself. So, the whole point is that it's like... Yeah, I don't. I think it's kind of all predetermined. It's like that. It's one of those kind of time travels, which is like closed loop. Kind of observing, but it's clo- we're doing with a closed loop here, right? And stuff, you know, you can kind of assess through stuff. Like when he's in there, he's hearing voices from the future already, right? And yeah. So it's like, how could that come to be if he changes the past or changes his present now? Like it's all kind of a closed loop, which is problematic for its own kind of confusing ways. It's like, yeah. wait, how is you know while he's in the world between worlds, how is Ray and Kylo Ren already like a foregone conclusion kind of thing? Right. But, yeah. And we talked about how in season two, right, you can see that Ahsoka's not dead. Dead. So there's something afoot here. It's confusing. It's something I've never really understood. Mm. Maybe it'll be explained in the Ahsoka show. Maybe not. But it's like, if Ahsoka didn't die on uh, Malachor, where was she? Why did she just kind of disappear for that time? Like, Mm -hmm. where's we up to? I like to think that we're going to get an explanation of that, right? In Ahsoka, Ahsoka, like, where... She went off Where to? she was between season two of Rebels and season two of The Mandalorian, basically. Because mm-hmm. like, those are the last two times we saw her, and those are separated by... A couple decades. Yeah, almost 20 Decade? years or 15 years, whatever. Something like that, yeah. Or 10 years? I don't, I don't remember. At least, um, I would say at least a decade. I'm, I, I always forget when the when does The Mandalorian take place. Is it 10 years or five years after? The Emperor also does some weird... Nine, like, yeah, it's, it's like five years. Nine, five years. The Emperor also does some, like, weird force magic spells. Well, yeah, by, it seems that by Ezra's opening of it, meddling around in there, that it maybe lets the Emperor get in there, and that's certainly something they wouldn't want. Again, whether or not he actually could do anything with it, it or not is unclear. Unclear, but probably don't want him in there messing around at any rate. <laughs> no. Uh, the Emperor, Emperor, he meets with the Emperor after, because they dig a person in the temple out and bring it onto the Star Destroyer, because they get Ezra. And he, the Emperor's like, hey, you want this? You want everything you ever wanted? He's like, nope, sorry, nice try, devil. He's like, oh, damn you. I'm over here on course, and this sucks. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 certainly interesting. It's a big it's a big swing, right? It's a massive swing. For Star Wars? Yeah. It makes the Force real magic-y. 
Which I feel like it ought to be. Yeah. You know, like and when like you even hear the you know, some of the choice uh quotes in this episode of like, you know, it's it connects all living things, it binds us you know, it's that kind of stuff of like mm. why wouldn't this why couldn't this be part of it, I guess, basically. So I think it's neat. It's interesting enough. Um but yeah, basically at the end Ahsoka's like, You gotta let me go. You can't bring me out with you. I have to go back where I came from. Mm. And again, we know she doesn't die there, but it's because she never died there or is saved every time because he did that he changed just enough but not too much i don't know it's it's it is weird again that you know it's not me but there is a lot of since then you know since this episode there has obviously been no end of fan theories where anything ever happens right there's always someone who says well can we change this can we you know bring back x y or z can we just completely you know of course uh, even to the extreme of like well could they use the world between worlds to retcon the entire sequel trilogy no, I don't, yeah, I don't think so. That'd be a little bit ridiculous. I just don't think that's how it works. Mm. That's never how it's been. Sh- Again, this this is the primary of the one time that it's ever been shown to work, and they show they say, no, you can't just change everything. <laughs> you can't change everything immediately. It'll ruin everything. So, I don't know. I think pretty cool. so, like I said, I it seems like we will be getting more of this uh, in, in Ahsoka. So, yeah. we'll see how that all plays out. But, let's see. Um, it's the World Between Worlds affiliated with the Force. That's good. Also notice in the Virgin's Scatter was a mystical plane within the Force that served as a collection of doors and pathways existing between time and space, linking all moments in time together. Neato. Behind the scenes. So it's appeared in... Yeah, nothing. Just uh, just Rebels. I thought, I thought it appeared or referenced in something else, but I guess maybe not. So there it is. That's all there is to it, Jack. Huh. Until, like I said, Ahsoka. Until next week. We will see. We will see. It might... Listen, they might get into some crazy stuff. That could be part of it. I mean, we've heard stuff about. Um, have you seen any of the leaks or rumors? I don't even know if it was a leak or a rumor. Right, the difference is nebulous some, at times, right? Right. It was that there's going to be a scene in Ahsoka where Ahsoka is on Malkor. No, uh, um, Mustafar. Oh. With Obi Wan and Anakin at the end of Revenge of the Sith. What's? What? I don't like that very much. Why not? I'll keep much sleeplessly. Let's not do that. But the implication, right, is that it's some she's gonna kind of try time travel scenario where she'll try to she's fix it. trying to save Anakin and she can't. It wouldn't work. Yeah, obviously. And so she's gonna be like, "Oh damn! Even if I was there, he's still fucking is e- evil Hitler. Gets all his legs cut off or whatever." <laughs> well, yeah, all his legs, half his arms. So you don't like? I don't know. That seems interesting. A lot of people were like freaking out, like, "Well, what are they doing?" And I'm like, "Well, it seems to me, it seems obvious that it's gonna be some kind of lesson, dream sequence, or force." scenario of whether it's the world between worlds or like a Dagobah cave type situation yeah. it's not like they're actually like retconning no no I don't think they'd ever do that that'd People be freaking out that'd be wild once yeah. it's retconning movies and we just kind of wash your hands of the whole thing it's not gonna happen well yeah I guess so if they really did I would have to seriously reconsider this whole thing be like man what are we doing what's even the point also the thing is that Re- Ezra seems to he closes off the one that they have here right yeah so no one can use that one again. So obviously whatever Ahsoka is seeking out in the new show is something completely different. Completely different. Um, so then the two-part basically finale here, right? Or, well, it's kind of, it's almost like a triple length finale, but it's it's basically, you know, taking down the Empire on Lothal once and for all. And this is like a big, like... Gathering of everyone. Yeah, like a who's who of all our, all our characters throughout the seasons, right? They get all their allies together once again. So basically the proper Empire... Earth, not, sorry, the rebellion proper is unwilling to commit resources to this, mm. right? Um, and this kind of makes sense. A lot of people have pointed to this as like, 
another thing um reading very specific into like the the some of the wording of the original trilogy right because in the opening crawl for um what's it called a new hope yeah right it says rebel starfleets striking from their hidden base have won their first victory against the galactic empire which is scarif right yeah that's their first victory and so people are like well this show can't really have the rebellion doing a big victory because it couldn't they can't have a big victory before new hope new hope which again is perhaps uh you know reading a little into it but that's eventually what plays out here right is that the rebellion doesn't have a victory basically ezra and his buddies do yeah so we get hondo we get the clones cut the the old commanders we get uh gregor wolf and rex obviously Um, callus callus yes sabine's um friend there i don't forget her name but she's around (coughs) and they're like all right we're gonna go do it um obviously Ryder azadi um and as it turns out eventually right the whales the whales. The space, space whales. whales. So this basically the whole point of this is that like Ezra's best thing is that he, he make he's gonna make it friends, right? Yeah. Like his superpower turned out to be friendship. The Star Wars Rebels was really the friends we made along the way, right? Like literally though. Yeah, literally. It was just that's the only reason they won. <laughs> it's the friends we made along the way. And that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. That's a good like and Star Warsy kind of thing. Does right? a Jedi sacrifice? Well, yeah, so he allows himself to be captured by Thrawn. Um even though the Thrawn not really allowed himself. Gregor to. gets murked. The pig guy almost gets murked. Yeah, he's all right, though. He had to live, but Gregor couldn't. Why? Why couldn't Gregor? Oh, he he has a brief moment of, like, it's all over when the Emperor gets him. He's like, your family. And he's getting nice. Uh, he's pre- he's pretending to be nice Emperor. right? Like a fake hologram of, like, look at that. I'm a cool senator guy. I'm just an cool, old man. Some cool Royal Guard variant designs in this, which are neat. I just got to fight some Royal Guards. Because he's like, actually, Emperor, I think I shan't join you. And he's like, fuck you. God damn it. Again? I need more Inquisitors, god damn it. This never works. It never. It only worked that one time. I have a surprisingly poor strike rate with this one. <laughs> it just never works. I mean, it did work and I got Darth Vader. So really, the one time it worked, worked big and time. And he went and crippled himself immediately. So. Idiot. Idiot, dumb fucker. God, I hate this. And Maul's. Ugh. I wish I wasn't horrible and deformed. I wish I had Darth Plagueis back. He was cool. I shouldn't have killed him. I sh- we should have been. I was hanging out being buds. There's a robot chicken version of himself. Uh, but yeah, he um he gives his lightsaber to Sabine and rolls up there to face face Thrawn mano we mano. And he's like, I guess I'll sacrifice myself kind of thing. And he kind of does, but also it's a bit of a trick, isn't it? Yeah. Because he gets all his um space whales, space whale buddies to drag like, him into space. See ya later, losers. <laughs> and the space whales just eat them off into the oblivion with broken glass, mind you. So yeah, that was also a thing. I was like, what are they? They're gonna like be sucked into the vacuum of space? It's sucked into hyperspace where they're gonna be torn apart. You can't just leave hyperspace like that. The ships probably survive. No, no, it's it's you definitely can't. It's a that's a thing in the High Republic books. It's oh. this ship that um breaks apart in hyperspace, and so like thousands and thousands of fragments, right, of this ship yeah. traveling at Near nearly light. the speed of light Oh, start, like, smacking into planets and causing a oh, Jesus. calamity. Because even a small part of a ship crashing it, into a, span, a planet at the speed of light. It, it, like, it eviscerated, yeah. Yeah, you're talking about, like, extinction-level events. Millions dead. It's wow. real rough. It's crazy. See, yeah, I don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. I'd be ill-advised. But the space whales know what they're They invented yeah. this, all right? This is their game. <laughs> They they're like, up. fellas, we, we we would practice this stuff. The Pergo, they're like, listen, we're the you you know you can't you can't teach us. Can you know well new tricks? 
So, um, yeah, that's where he's, he's off to. <laughs> and this is where we have the moment where Sabine's like, Ezra, don't go. And he's like, I'm out of here. Catch you later. Catch you later. Hit him with the old I know. <laughs> yeah, basically, right? And so we've, we mentioned this probably two or three times, but it bears repeating, I guess. What do we think about the nature of their whole situation? I think Ezra kind of gives it up at the end. And then Sabine's like, maybe I do like this kid. And that's kind of the... It's kind of lives in Ahsoka. That's, that's kind of the interesting thing about it, right? Yeah. Again, because a lot of people have like argued, like, well, Ezra kind of like gives up. Certainly after season two, right? He gives up like the outward, like direct flirting kind of stuff. Yeah. But at the same time, their relationship does probably like progress, and they get closer on a, on a deeper, probably level. Yeah, right? like a friendship level. Um, and that's kind of the yeah. Again, like the, it's almost like more tragic in a way, right? <clears throat> Is that like at the last moment? When he's like, I gotta leave. She's like, Oh, but I was kind of just coming all, all the way around myself, maybe. It always happens. You know, it's never the right time. And he's like, I'm out of here. Women always confess their feelings for you once you have to jettison into space with your buddies. Just about when you're ready to jettison into into space with, with the them. space whales. She's like, Actually, I liked you all along. You're like, Where was this? Where was this ten minutes ago? <laughs> I could have used this. Ah, man, women, huh? Can't can't live with them. Can't live without them, right? Women hate to see men enjoying time with their space whales. <laughs> they take how they they hate how little it takes to make us happy. But conversely, men will literally flee into the unknown regions with Pergil instead of going, instead to, of going th- to therapy. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, that's true. Instead of dealing with the death of their master, <laughs> they will literally fight Grand Admiral Thrawn <laughs> and flee into the unknown regions, <laughs> to the unknown regions. never to return. Yep, they, and they do. And instead of being like, my master's dead, I'm gonna process these grief. Nope. Quick, quickly, Pergo, we gotta get out of here. <laughs> Let's go, boys. We gotta hit the road quickly. No, you can't just flee, literally flee <laughs> into the unknown regions away from your problem. Come, Pergo. Uh, Pergo, go burr. There's <laughs> uh, another one. Oh, men will literally jump into the world between worlds to save their master instead of just letting them die. Just anything. Yeah. Anything Por- to avoid good old fashioned like talking processing about. of your emotions, I guess. Yeah, it's coward shit. She's like, Ezra, don't go. And he's like, I can't. I can't do that. Me and Thrawn got a date with Destiny here, baby. <laughs> and and I'll, we'll be back in about a decade for Ahsoka. So he's like, it's all up to you now. Um, and again, he's left his lightsaber with her. And so uh, they zip out of here into parts unknown. And then we get out and basically uh, leads us right into the, the Rebels epilogue. Yeah. So they, they are victorious. And... Uh, Let's see. He leaves him this little message, right? Yeah, he's gonna return. He plans to return. I'll be back eventually, I guess. Somehow, somehow. Maybe it's gonna literally take forever, but. And he told her when he left his lightsaber with her, and then when in this message, he's like, "I'm counting on you." And she really takes that one to heart. Yeah. Uh, because then, so leading into the epilogue, we said here, uh, she never leaves. So. Something in his old house. This whole thing is that they're all expecting a counterattack. They're like. We gotta get ready, right? Because of course the Empire isn't gonna take this lightly. But I think the implication is that this happens so close to Rogue One, Rogue One, that they get their hands full and they just never care enough to bring their attention back onto the backwater planet, backwater of Lothal. Yeah, and they just fly under the radar for the rest of the war, right up until the the Empire falls, which is cool, good for them, rejoicing in the streets. But yeah, so then we cut to it's time has passed and we get like a where are they now? Right. Mm. <laughs> so Sabine's like, I've been living in Ezra's house forever. Cut my hair. Cut still my purple. Hair, which, again, we've all seen in the, some of the Ahsoka stuff now, right? That her 
hair was long and then she cuts it and, and all this. The city looks crazy, right? Yeah, it's real tall. It's like tall and shining now. It's it's clearly gotten uh much nicer. Lots sir. changed in the in the intervening years, which is cool. They're like, it seems all prosperous and stuff. So we see again, like I said, right? We got the first Ahsoka trailer. These shots are like direct, right? Mm-hmm. Basically one to one. So this is Ahsoka's shuttle flying in with the next wing escort. Um, like I said, she says the attack never came. The, even the speeder, this is probably the one in the scene where she's like riding in on the Lothal Highway. Yeah. Speeder. Get our nice Loth cats and Loth wolves. How cute. Gotta love them. Gotta love them. Um, yeah, so we get Zeb and, and Callus, where Zeb brings um, Callus to the the secret planet where all those people live. And Callus gets to be like, Oh shit! I didn't do a genocide. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I really felt I felt bad about that. I was I was having some second thoughts. Um, this is related to the uh, this this is related to the I don't I don't know, I don't know what they call it. Zeb. Oh yeah, Zebus, the the Cal and Zeb, the Callus and Zeb ship. Which I mean, that's fine. I guess I got no particularly strong opinions about this one. Um, other than again, it's another one where a lot of people are like, "Well, this is obviously just canon," and I'm like, "I I would I'd be hesitant to say that this." thing of like and then they were buddy well, again i mean it is kind of like bordering on like and then they were roommates and then they're roommates which hey listen i get there is something to be said about like well he took him to live and then he lived among them as one of them that kind of has some implications probably if yeah we, if we go a little bit past the literal but also i just wouldn't say it's a sure thing one or the well i thought zev would have been taller he's he pretty, probably should be taller he's, cl- he's yeah, pretty this, close this does seem a little off because he's usually hunched and he's bigger yeah. than cows when he's hunched but he's like is he kneeling him. maybe he's just Squatting a little. Squatting, just doing a little leg squat. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. You know, it could go either way. But, again, I feel like – I'll just say this because I know there, there's definitely this subset exists. People who are more interested in the um, – Chips? Well, I was just going to say the gay, like, xenophobe – or not xenophobe, xeno – xeno something? What's, what do you call it with, with aliens? <laughs> I don't know. Basically, the gay uh, alien and human lover ship, but they're not into the – Human, human, the 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 straight human, human ship. They might be disappointed. That's all I I would say. They, about they that. might get the one they don't want. Because there's a lot of people who are like, get out of here with your boring straight boy and girl ship. I want these this <laughs> this big alien and this big man, weird sideburns human man, <laughs> have some weird hybrid babies or whatever. You you might be disappointed. Come by up wanting. I don't think Dave Filoni's reading those tweets. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, listen. Zeb and, his, Zeb and his roommate, Callus, go <laughs> Live on his home um, planet. Meet his family. Um, we learned Hera fought all the way through the Battle of Endor, as did Rex. Um, that's that little, you know the thing? Where Rex has been like retcon, reverse engineered into being one of the commandos on Endor. Oh, yes, I've seen that. Because he's wearing that outfit in this finale here. Yeah, yeah. He's got like the Endor outfit, basically. Um, and this is when we were introduced to um, Kanan's son. Or, well, yes, Kanan by Mendes or Hera's, but that's... Yeah. Jason Solo. Or Jason Sindula. Jason Solo. Jeez. Um, green hair, no tails. Yes. So Remarkably human. For weird a... looking guy, right? So this caused all kind of discourse at the time um, as as to the nature of human Twilight hybrids. Because you remember in the Bad Batch and Clone Wars, right? There's those human Twilight hybrids who are like, they have like mottled skin. But they're like. But they also have Twilight. Tails and teeth. And stuff, and... But they're also maybe little short ones. It's It's weird. And then you get this guy whose hair is just green. He's got sharpish teeth. Um, he's got sharpish teeth, and like the te- you see the tips of his ears are green. Oh yeah, they are. Like their tails, kind of. Right. Well, human or sorry, male. You remember male Twilight have 
pointy, pointy ears. ears. Yeah. They have actual ears. Like, the, the girls just have the weird nubs, and the dudes have pointy ears. So, listen, to further complicate this, Jack, in um, the leaked, or not even leaked, just the revealed Lego set. Of course. He's just got brown hair now. Ahsoka, maybe. What the fuck? <laughs> he's just got normal brown hair. And, like, they just hair. can't commit to anything. He, he has appears to have darker skin than this, um, which makes sense in that sense that Kanan... Darker skin. Darker skin. But the weird thing about this is that his eyebrows and eyelashes are also green because a popular thing that has... So for people to try to like um, kind of retcon all this to say, okay, if he has brown hair now, why the hell did he have green hair then? Yeah. Is that this isn't really his hair at all. Um, this is just dyed hair, which makes sense being around Sabine and stuff. Mm. Right? Now, that gets confusing because it's like, when did... Have, have they ever met, right? Which I suppose we'll see. If they have, they have a relationship at all. In this... Yeah, in Ahsoka. But I feel like... I feel like there's a chance they haven't met ever before yeah. the events of Ahsoka. So that wouldn't really work out. I think it's probably they're just like, we don't want this kid. It's dumb. It's dumb. We don't want to put a guy in a green wig. Just have brown hair. Which is weird because it's all Dave Filoni. So maybe it was just in real life. They were doing screen tests for the live action green hair. And he's like, oh, this is a poor choice. And he took so he said, oh, Christ, what have I done? Um, yeah. I mean, he's cool, right? Yeah. Born to fly just like his mother. And well, we all know what his father was. It's fun. Someone eventually got Dave Filoni to tell to say when it was that they had sex. They had sex to conceive Jason. I don't remember what it was. It's after like one of the. Episodes. Why do they gotta ask that? There's a part where they like kiss, and then people are like, "But they just kissed. How did they?" And it's like, yes, they didn't show them banging on the kids' cartoon. What are you talking about? Yeah, and it's not like the first time they kissed. There's implied. Well, yes, I've I'm definitely a, a, a I don't know any of the ship names, Jack. I don't know these. I don't, I don't be brushed up. A Hurricanean. Hurricane. Hera. Whatever. Uh, I'm definitely a. Ken and Hera truther. Absolutely. Where I maintain they have a relationship the whole, the time. whole time. Yeah. It's not really a new thing. They just play it up more because they they're probably allowed more. to. And there's like a thing of where clearly by the fourth season your Kanan is like wanting to maybe make it more of a thing or more official, right? Because he has that scene in the in the um, Mandalore thing where he's like they're have, they're like talking past each other in Indian and she's like, I feel like we're not talking about the mission anymore. Like, well, you know, you know how I feel. And he's like and she's like, Well, you know I'm busy. <laughs> we're fighting this war, so maybe don't you know, don't bring this up right now. I mean, it's not the time. Yeah. But, you know, listen, they're living together in close proximity the whole time. You know, they're all like, come on. Eventually for years. I think it's very possible that maybe they, like, we're going to get married or going to be, go around being boyfriend and girlfriend because we're busy. But, we got the know, war. There's the war. Listen, I feel, I, that's how I feel. And the first thing that they ever appeared in, right, technically before the show came out was that novel. It's called The New Dawn. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty explicit that, like, <laughs> one of the big reasons Kanan got, you know, Roped into this whole scenario was because he thought hair was cute. It was very attractive. Yeah, and he basically fell in love with her right away. And was like, this chick's rocks. I'll just do the war, I guess. I'll just, I'll, I'll be a, I'll be a rebel now. I guess. Cool. I was doing nothing. I was being a bartender before, but I guess this is dope. This is good this enough. Chick's, this chick rocks. <laughs> I'll be hanging out with her. Um, and then well, that's all. And then Sabine's been living on Lothal the whole time, defending Andrew's home for now. Here we are. Let's get that cool mural. Yeah, the cool mural nice you see in live action, which mm-hmm. has not changed much, which is a fun nod. What's well, a mural? So it can be kind of stylized, right? Yeah. So that's cool. Uh, this is also, this is a point of contention, Jackie. You ready? Is White Robe, White Staff Ahsoka here, right? Um, yeah. Dubbed affectionately by like the community and. Um, it's like Grandmaster Ahsoka? himself a point, which is Ahsoka the uh-huh. Like Gandalf. Because he said at the time, like, it's meant to evoke that because that's kind of the role she represents in. In the universe at this point, right? Mm-hmm. She's very much a master. And he says that in... He has said that re- recently in relation to Ahsoka, that at the point of Ahsoka, he considers her... A Jedi master. A Jedi master. Even though, again, people get very hung up on the whole, I'm no Jedi thing. 
for all intents and purposes, he considers her to be the Jedi Master. Probably one of the most authoritative individuals in the galaxy at this point mm. in time, right? Because Absolutely. everyone else is gone about the Force and all this. She's the last, I think she's one of the last people from the Clone Wars. Yeah, she's got to be. Except for Grogu, but he's a baby. He barely counts. He sucks. Yeah, he's a cringe lord. Pretty much worthless. He can't yeah. really talk yet. So, um, but so in in the scenes we from Ahsoka mm. again, which are in the trailer, where the, the scene where they meet here, right? She is not wearing this white robe or having this big staff, and people are people feel a certain kind of way about it. I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> sure, maybe she'll have I'm him on the show. How do you feel about not, the lack of the white robe? I'm, not really at all, because this is the end of the show, and Ahsoka is a whole show about her. So maybe, mm-hmm. maybe who cares? I don't. Yeah, I don't feel too 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 strongly about it. No. I think it'll be fine. It would be cool to see. I guess I I would like it if they had that, but I don't. Fi- Listen, think- it's not the most glaring continuity error they've ever had in Star Wars. Is that no, her? no, no? She's she's wearing a different outfit and a different. That'll be fine. Sabine's outfit's pretty good. I mean, we've seen that she's wearing this armor and the um all that. She's got she's got that satchel so. <laughs> She's doing it. And we, the ship is the same. You know, listen, they did all right. I'm not I'm not overly worried. So then the question is, Jack, now that now that you've watched all this in preparation for Ahsoka and we're gearing up and ready to watch this, is like what do how much of this do we think is gonna play in? Uh I think definitely like that a lot of the ending stuff with the like the um World Between Worlds is gonna play in. Well yeah, and actually I mean it honestly seems like I mean we've talked about it before, right? Like, yeah. Thrawn's back. This is like the, the sequel. Rebel sequel that people mm. have been waiting on ever since this case. Because this, this obviously is a very evocative finale of like, oh, there's clearly more to the story of these characters. To be told here, and it's now been eight years of that, seven, eight years, when is this air? It's been a long-ass time where people are like, when the hell are you going to get to this? And again, we've talked at length about how like people are have differing opinions about whether or not it should be animated or not and, and all that. But mm-hmm. at any rate, this is, yeah, Ahsoka is basically the Rebels sequel. Oh, yeah. It seems like a big thrust of this whole story is to find Ezra. Yes. Yeah, again, what she says back. at the very end here, Sabine's like, "We got to go find Ezra." Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, Thrawn is also s- somehow back and is becoming a threat. And he's heir to the Empire, all that. Yeah. When I mean Hera, Chopper, they're all there. The question, I guess, another question is, do we think Zeb's going to show up in the? I think so. We haven't he, seen anything officially. He was in um, the Mandalorian. Well, yeah, it'd be crazy if they threw him in him in in there. And then we're like, then actually not in this, this, right? So I feel like that's got to be. We might go pick him up somewhere. Seeding those breadcrumbs for for this, right? Absolutely. If not, what the hell are they doing? But again, that also flies in the face of this because if he's hanging out on um, Aldani, right? Freaking Dave Filoni, where he's not living on uh, oh whatever planet with his with his roommate. So what's with, that about? With his with his um very close roommate. <laughs> so what's that about? Hmm? They're having a, a tough time. There's a, there's a least dispute. <laughs> Callus is is remaining there with all the uh, all his all his people. He's like, I gotta get out of here. Lassad, he's he's living there with all the other Lassad, and then Zeb is the one who's like, I'm gonna head out for a while. I think I'll head out. I think I'll leave. Just gonna be go be a B wing pilot, maybe. Can I do something with your time? I guess. Can still be after you've seen all that. Do you understand why I had I was confused by that? Because Zeb is maybe shown to be the worst pilot, or or just to have he's pretty not even worse, but he's just never is really shown to have any confidence. Pilot incompetence at all. So no, I agree. He's, he's hanging around Aldani with the Ranger. Like, listen, like I think it makes enough sense that he would be continuing to have some kind of role in the Rebel or well, the, the Republic, the Republic military and stuff. But why is that about? It's weird. I find it. I find it a little strange. Yeah. I agree. I've, I've with the context. I agree. Certainly. But yeah, it would be bizarre, right? If they 
They brought him back for that, for a, a minor cameo. They made the model and everything, which everyone thought looked great. And then they, they got to use him in this, right? I would hope. They're just playing it close to the chest. Yeah. They don't want to reveal all their secrets too soon. Which is probably the same with Ezra, because I think he's probably going to be in a handful of the episodes. I like to think. I mean, it could go one of two ways. It could be like, you know, very last episode, they're like, and here's Ezra. Remember, right? Season two or whatever. Season two or whatever. Or it could be like, maybe they get him more quickly than we anticipate. Like halfway through, it's like, and Ezra's here now, and he's part of it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess then the last thing is, is what do we think? We've said it several times, but now you've had, you've had it all. Is, is Ezra Sabine going to be an item or what? I think so. I feels like the implication here, right? Because of the implication. Because of the implications. I don't know. Again, people, again, people feel very strongly about this both ways where they're like, well, they're siblings. I've said before, I don't, that doesn't really make a ton of sense to me. I understand that like the whole found family aspect, but I think you're taking it too literally. Yeah. If you're saying like, well... Hera and Kanan were the mommy and daddy, and Zeb's the brother, and Zeb's the brother. And so that means Kanan and or uh, Ezra and Sabine have to be the kids, and it would be weird if they were. Th- and it's like, listen, if you actually look at it though, these are two people who met when they were when teenagers, they were both already teenagers, and yeah, they were close and stuff. But then now they haven't seen each other for like a decade. And listen, some yeah, sometimes uh, people who are close friends with each other do into relationships into like romantic relationships it's, it's like an actually normal way for that to kind of progress this is how it happens it's often how it happens it's not like ah this is a stranger i've never seen before i mean sometimes but it's just yeah. not that inconceivable but because people are like look but they're close like friends yeah that's you never had a, never, met, never met anyone who it happened to that's kind of never had two friends who noticed to get closer and closer over time again i've said before i don't feel overly strongly although if i i will say this i do feel strongly that if they do go that route they should have a nice ending because the, another thing where people are like, why does everything in Star Wars have to be romances? And I'm like, you're an idiot. Because if you really think about it, there's not that many. I mean, what are the, what are the big romances of Star Wars? It's Han and Leia. Yeah. It's it's Anakin and Padme. That's kind of it. Can't think of any others. Yeah. There's like, yeah. really not that many. Obi-Wan and not really Satine. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, right, they all end in tragedy. There's it's not horrible. a single one that ends well. Oh, oh Hera and Kanan doesn't end well really no, no. i mean they have a kid together but so they said he that dies. like ah <laughs> star wars has too many ushy mushy romances in it i don't i don't think so unless so. Most everybody just either both of them die or one of them one of them becomes a desert hermit or an evil space nazi or yeah. hera is the only one who's come out moderately well and her spouse still died that's what i mean what like rain kylo ren yeah kind of but then he dies He's dead forever. He says he says no lines of dialogue when he becomes Ben Solo. They don't really ever they don't really have a chat about it. They just, they just ki- kiss once and then he he disappears. Thanks, JJ. It was in your fucking mystery box. So yeah, I definitely don't agree. I like if they do it, I think I think yeah, they should have a a, a nice ending to it all. That's mm-hmm. what I think. That's I agree. The only aspect of it I feel very strongly. About. I'd have to agree. But if they also just are like they meet up together and they're like, hey, bro. Hey, sis. That's, that's I don't care. They do a little sibling kiss because you know you got to do a sibling <laughs> kiss. I don't care because because well, people pointed out that like one of the arguments was like, well, would Sabine really be doing all of this if she didn't have feelings for him like that, right? Like, would she actually like carry this torch for him for years and yeah, live in his house and, and do all this stuff if she didn't? But it, someone else was like, well, if my brother disappeared into the parts unknown, I would probably that would probably weigh heavily on me for a while. Gave too. me his prized weapon was like, I'm counting on you. And I'd be like, well, fuck, I gotta stick around, I guess. Wait for him to come back. So, yeah. Either way works. Narratively pretty well. Pretty well for me. So, I don't really... I'm just... In, I'm very I'm very interested to see the inevitable shitstorm. It's revealed to be going one way or the other. Because, again, people... It's, I don't know. For some reason, that's a thing. People get really... 
heated about the uh got twisted in about there's a big there's a big like i feel like crossover venn diagram type thing with the with the star wars animation fans and star wars like shipper type folks so yeah definitely uh is that about doing anything else we want to mention no that's about it it's a pretty concise thing are they all gonna look weird now that you've had four seasons of this of this show just like me are you gonna be unnerved by the translations jack you're gonna be like man should this have been probably i mean question for you what do you what do you where do I mean, you stand on that now that you've seen it all? I've already even just watched the trailer before I watched Rebels. I already thought hair looked weird. Everyone else looks. I mean, Sabine and Ezra are humans, so they're yeah, fine. they're humans, and that's fine. But Thrawn's a little strange. Is there any disconnect for you of like they just don't feel like the same person? Um, not from just the trailers, mm-hmm. but maybe we'll see when I actually like see them mm-hmm. in action, doing story stuff and interacting. We'll see if anything I can like feel is yeah. lost. Again, my, my theory on it, and I think this really does make sense, is that they're not, um, th- these are characters who are originated in animation. So this has always been their, their territory, first and foremost. Compared to like, when people say like, well, no one cared that Obi-Wan goes back and forth between different actors and stuff. And it's like, yeah, but it's just not the same, I think. Yeah. Because he was always, always a, you know, live action character, first and foremost. Whereas this is the other way around. Like, these are characters who is only, who have, only ever existed in animation, and so making that feels more unnatural, jarring perhaps. But yeah. we'll see. We shall see. Them. I, yeah, I don't dislike any of the, the choices necessarily. I think they all do fine. Yeah, Hera, and I think they've even in the later trailers they toned some of it down. But she, her eyes are very very green, well, very green, and her, it's fine. But her like tails are very bulky. Well, her her it's like a combination of her eyes are very bright and green, but then her like skin is almost too like. Pale. pale of a green like almost chalky i don't know it's weird it's tough i don't know how you do that but like it is also the type of thing of we've seen lots of twilight on screen before who've never stood out for looking strange so well, just how did so you manage that this one who's a fucking main character. character you couldn't get her together who knows we know the star wars shows have had trouble with their aliens prosthetics and stuff though mm. thus far so can't get it right we'll see so good to wrap up right here then i'd say so perfect uh this is so Thanks so much for listening. You can always find us on various social medias and wherever you listen to your podcasts. On Twitter at Architect Jazz, that's J A Z, or I guess X now. Uh, on Instagram at The Architect Podcast, and on Gmail at ArchitectJazz at gmail.com. Our intro was done by a friend of the show, Celery Salt. You can find him on Instagram, Spotify, and SoundCloud. He's got a new EP out, I think. Uh, our look goes in by Jeffrey Gonzalez. You can always find him at inkocean.jpg on Instagram or on Redbubble. And as always, we wrote it, we produced it, we built all the sets. Take it to the people, Zach. Good night. Good night. Godspeed.